Warning, the podcast that you're about to listen to may discuss adult themes and have language not suitable for all listeners. Please use discretion as advised. What's up, Benchwarmers? Welcome in to episode 103 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Jimmy Pilato, Nico Bryant, proudly presented by the Variety Sports Network. We got a ton of stuff to talk about today. MLB trade deadline with some very special Variety Sports Network guests, Josh and Logan of the 7th Inning Stretch podcast. They're going to come on, recap all of the big major moves, get some winners and losers. Nico gets into a Rockies rant at the end of the show, so be sure to stick around for that. You guys are going to hear a new musical intro for us, intro and outro. Big shout out to Warren Garrett. That thing sounded sweet, so we're uh, pumped for you guys to check that out. We'll have him on the podcast, uh, get his face out there, but I said warrengarrett.com in the episode. Check out warrengarrett.com. That link will be down in the description of the show below um, and as always follow at feotb pod follow the variety sports network at variety underscore sports underscore and follow on all of your podcasting platforms and subscribe to our youtube channels we are moving up on on those platforms but now that we have the new musical intro i think those those pages are going to start taking off um so yeah we we might as well just get right into it uh nick rocky's Yes. No. Yes. Do you, do you want me to go on a thirty-minute rant, Jerry, about my about my team? It seems like I do this every time we talk about baseball. Do, you really, really, do the listeners want to hear me talk about thirty minutes again about we're, why this organization is as shitty as it is? As John Fox used to say, or actually, as Coops used to say, we're fixing to find out. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. That sounds nice. That's a honestly, that captures the essence just the same as our former intro song, but it's our own. Thank you very much to our good buddy or my good buddy that I I ran into at a drunkenly at a bar in Vegas because that's how stuff works uh, in our lives. But Warren Garrett, country star out of Nashville, up and coming. Be sure to check him out. Uh, I think it's warrengarrettmusic.com. And uh, it has all the links to his stuff, but he's the voice that you hear. He put together the music, he recorded it, he mastered it. It took a little bit of time, but obviously we wanted him to to do it right. So that was, that's who's behind that awesome new intro and outro jingle that you guys uh, just heard. So welcome to episode 103 of the Far to the Bench presented by the Variety Sports Network. Let's go. I know, right? No more Luke on there, unfortunately. Rip the Luke song, yeah. but, but uh, the new music is like I said it's great. I th- thank you to Warren. I appreciate that a lot. That's it's awesome that, that we have that now. So it's a nice little new and different intro. So I like it. At least now we can be universal across the because we've always been able to use the old song for podcasts. But if we wanted to put something on YouTube, we had to change it, which is why you guys see the little video. We can now add in this to the YouTube channel. So I think it's going to do. You guys are going to. Um, enjoy that. It's going to get stuck in your head. You guys are going to want to listen to the far end of the bench. It's un- it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. There are worse things that could happen. Uh, by the way, welcome to one o- episode 103. Uh, third episode on the Variety Sports Network. Be sure to follow at Variety underscore sports underscore on social media and follow the Variety Sports Network wherever you listen to your podcast. Coming up later on, we are going to have uh, two Variety Sports Network um, aff- affiliates the seventh inning stretch podcast, Josh and Logan are going to come on and do a little trade deadline recap. And uh, we do some start, we do a start bench cut with them. Um, So be sure to stay tuned in for that. Uh, But Nick, how how are you feeling now? You know, things are training camps are underway. So we're kind of transitioning into football season. You're you're back in Colorado. The mountains are on the right side again. So everything's good there. 
I'll be I'll be in Jacksonville in two weeks, so you'll see me recording from a different city in, in a few weeks again. So yeah, it's nice to be home for a for a week of football right around the corner. The weather is still hot as nuts, but you can see the leaves slowly start to change. Slowly, I mean, it is August. It might so. just be melting off at this point. Cause... Yeah, might, yeah, it might just be melting off of it. So it's it's a it's fall is some of the best time of the year. So yeah, it's I said fo- the football juices are flowing. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and the spe- like we're less than a month away now. You're, we're gonna have our first host turn twenty five in less than a month. So like we're catching, we're about to yeah, hit our are. like. The year's gonna pick up, so we're we're gonna have to make sure that we uh, yeah, we keep the everything. Life, the quarter life crisis is upon us, boys. That's that's <laughs> gonna be. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that. I know I don't I don't feel good about it right now. Uh, but like we said, we are a proud member of the Variety Sports Network. Be sure to check out Row One Brand. It's at Row One Brand on Twitter. Uh, check out the website. You get 15% off everything in the art gallery when you use code VSP15. That's code VSP1515. At the end of that, you get 15% off at Row One Brand. Um, so, yeah, now we uh, let's transition ourselves into the news topics of the week. And it's unfortunate. Um, I guess it's not a good thing that we were correct in, in our assumption, but the NFL had their independent auditor come out. It was um, determined that the appropriate suspension for Deshaun Watson and there are reasons that I, I guess we'll we'll get into, but the decision was handed down. Deshaun Watson deserves to only be suspended for six games, apparently, for everything that we know happened, all of the allegations, the settlements. You you can have your opinions on that, and I know the Browns are going to try and spin this and, and and make it okay. But at least that's where we sit now. So it's not official. Roger Goodell, I think, still has to come out and make whatever ruling he decides official uh, on Friday, but. Six games is is the suggestion. Initial thoughts and reactions when you saw that. My my initial thoughts were okay. Let's wait wait two days because right now we're sitting. Well, as you're listening to this, it'll be the second day of the three day waiting period of of the appeal process. So so my initial thoughts were okay. This is what this judge ruled. This judge ruled based upon five. Um, Sue Robinson was her name. Five of the cases. One of them was dismissed. So technically, it was four. And, and if you and in the in the response of saying why what the reasoning for six games was, she included in the factoid of this is one of the most egregious, egregious was the word they use egregious acts of something that an NFL player has ever ha- occurred, and it's six games. I mean, come on now. Well, okay. egregious, yeah. I, egregious. Okay, wh- whatever you want to say, it's six games, and I'm like, okay. Apparently the NFL wants more, so so I will I will hold my judgment on 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 the decision. I will hold on it because I think next week it's going to be adjusted, and then the NFLPA will come back and fight it because I think the NFL was looking towards a year. Is all the reports I said. So so this hearing has not been fully confirmed. This is only the the base set that was ruled by an outside outside source. So that's what you got, first. That's the first factoid you got to take into account here. Second factoid is 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 the fact that the NFLPA and, and, and is is look is right along this way, being like, "Hey, we're good with six games. We'll happily take it." If, he, if Deshaun Watson wasn't guilty, do you think he want he'd want to be suspended for a single game? 
I mean, I mean, okay, if I was completely guilty, if I did, did not, nothing wrong a whole career, and this ha- and this occur- occurred to me, would I not fight it? Would I not? Would I not be pissed with 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 one game, let alone six games? A a uh, uh, near, nearly a third of the season. I mean, like there, there's the next thing. Well, I also I forgot to mention it's six games and no fine assessed, so there's no fine penalty assessed with the six game suspension. That that was an important detail I failed to mention. Exactly. So like it's, I, 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 like I said, I'm gonna hold off my judgment because 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 all judgment will be will be placed after the the ruling of the NFL and what what Godzilla will be saying. If they decide nope, six games is good enough, then I then I expect that the NFL to also look at the Calvin situation. It, look, look, people are saying this is this is incomparable to Calvin Ridley situation. I've been saying this for how long, Jimmy? Two months now? A month? Two yeah. months? Somewhere yeah. around those lines, right? Somewhere around those lines? But yeah. Justice for Calvin Ridley. Okay. It, it's, it was an outside hearing. It was all that, this and that. that that's why six games was hanging out. Okay. Well, I want an outside hearing for, for Calvin Ridley. I want an outside hearing for, for the individuals that, that, that got suspended for two or three seasons because of weed. I want those outside hearings too then. Because if, yeah. if you're yeah. going to do the sexual assault for, for more – first of all, let's get these numbers right. Because there was 50 women, more than 50 women that came out. 25 of them came – or more than 20 – I can't – I don't remember the exact number. I think it's 24 that settled. 24 of them uh, made cases. Five of them were ones that, that, that apparently were only shown to this late. So unless this lady is a Browns fan or, or her husband is from Cleveland, Ohio – I don't understand this one bit. I really don't. And, and like I said, I think the NFL still has a chance to do the right thing. I will hold off my judgment until next week's episode, and I will go off and lose my mind because I still think there's a chance of, of, of writing this wrong. But right now, if you will, this is just a slap in the face to society. Think about this. We look, look. I, I, we, I know this wasn't in our in our time spot to talk about, but we just had one of the greatest winners and one of the greatest humanitarians from the world of sports pass away literally on Sunday. And the first story that comes out is this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bill Russell passed away at 88 years old. And this guy did more for the sport of basketball, more for the game, or more for, more for African-American athletes than That's anyone has, than anyone yeah. not named Muhammad Ali. Than anyone not named Muhammad Ali. And here we are. First, first thing that comes up is Deshaun Watson, sexual assault guy who, who, who's sexually groped female masseuses for more than 25 people only get six games browns fans have a chance how are the browns gonna look this year i come on man i i I, come on i i i i i i hate to compare things i really do hate to compare things but this this is news that 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 are 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 ridiculous that we should be talking about dan orlovsky said it best on get up on monday morning my look, I, I don't care about the Sean Watson anymore. I don't care about, about the situation anymore. My thoughts go out to all the women that, that made those cases because you know they're going through it even worse right now than any other person seeing those six games. Because 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 right now those are the ones that need your prayers, need them to look after, to, to keep tight, because those are the people that really be affected by this. Jimmy and I will be here covering all this, and we're pissed off that, that this is the bullshit that's happening. But the real reason 
it's, it's, it's the thing about those individuals that have had to go through this and seeing that this, this woman do this to them and the NFL PA be like, yep, we're good with this six-game suspension. I get it. You're protecting the players. But at some point, there's a line. There absolutely should be a line. This is the only part of the collecting, collective bargaining agreement. As I've learned about, as we've covered this more, as I've been listening to more informed opinions about the NFL PA and, and its relationship to the NFL. So this collective bargaining agreement, the big things that the players won was the lack of off-season training at the facility where the owners can't keep them for uh, months on end. So you have the specific break periods. And then this has to be the other part that they just absolutely knocked out of the park when they got this collective bargaining agreement signed. And this is why the the ruling was different than the Calvin Ridley situation. Calvin Ridley was betting on the games and that does not fall under the, the player conduct policy that falls under the sports gambling policy of the collective bargaining agreement. The reason why there was the independent arbiter for the Deshaun Watson case was because it was a player's player protocol violation. And that is why this all is going on this way. That's why the NFL has to come within their three-day period. Uh, but this is what the players in the NFL PA bargained for in the last CBA. So this is, this is what the players have tried to set themselves up for. And this is better, honestly, even though it worked out this way. And, and like I said, we've been saying that this is a possibility. So it's not necessarily a surprise. We were hoping that the, the right thing would have been done initially, but this isn't like out of the realm. Like we knew this was going to be a possibility no matter what. Uh, this, uh, this, this is a, a bad look. Like in the public eye, this is going to be a, a smear on, on your face. However, the precedent set by situations like this in the past, and you have to compare it. They want to make it fair. So that the way that the CBA and the NFL has handled themselves, they hold the owners to a higher standard when it comes to the owners and the players. So if they're holding the owners to a higher standard and you got the shit going on in Washington, you got other things going on with other owners, teams are getting sold the left Dolphins. and right, and there hasn't been suspensions or fines or anything like that. The Dolphin situation is where they basically said they're tanking and you, they said the whole tampering thing. I mean, you can go down the list of things, Jimmy. <laughs> but since there hasn't been a full reprimand, like Roger, because Roger Goodell didn't hold the owners to the higher standard that they should have and actually punish them for the wrongdoings that they did, this is why we're seeing a serial predator serial predator that's what he is serial predator going to get a six-game suspension no fine and probably be playing for the last part of the season giving his team that a team that really we mentioned it last week they deserve to go 0-17 and get mollywopped by a few teams for the way this organization handled the contract negotiation nothing against those players i am not wishing anything ill on them except for the one guy the one guy wearing number four, no I would like all. to see get buried in the turf every single play, if possible. But everybody else, I have no ill feelings towards you. It's just the way that it's the way the world works. It's the way karma works. You're standing next to it. it you got the stink of you on it. If I was a player, I wouldn't want. I would go. I mean, it's not going to do anything. I would try and go to the coaches and the upper management. And say, I don't want to play with a guy like this. I I can't can't think that there's guys. How many people in the NFL? You know, there's the studies that come out, high-level athletes, especially guys who play in high testosterone environments, normally have daughters. How are you going to have a daughter in the locker room and look across? If Just think of an offensive lineman. I'm an offensive lineman, and I have a little girl at home, and I have this guy lining up as my quarterback. How are you going to be able to justify it to yourself that I have to protect this man? Why, why would I want to do that? I get that it's my job, but just mor morally, this should feel wrong. 
this should feel off. And I hope that I, I'm, I'm with you. I hope that this is reversed and the, the right thing is done. However, with the precedent, with the way that it's being spoken around the CBA, it looks like the players did do enough to actually cover their ass now and take the power out of Roger Goodell's hands because he was the one that was suspending guys for 20 games with weed. And he's the one that suspended Calvin Ridley for a year for the gambling yet. This is where he has no power and it's in the wrong situation like this. We should have flipped it. They should have had the arbiter for Calvin Ridley and Josh Gordon and those guys who for the substance abuse policy and Goodell should just be able to single out a player and say, you did this. Oh, you're up for a felony. You're not playing dumbass. You're not not representing the shield. You're not representing the shield. I mean, you should not have a chance to step on the field. And, And like I said, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a sad reality that we're living in, and, and with everything that's been going on in the world, like this is the outcome we really come to. With five cases, you call it the most egregious act in NFL history, and you give him six, five games, sorry, six games, six games. You give him six games. I don't understand the reasoning because people have been get so. So I'm, I'm not going to keep comparing, but but if like think, think about it like this. The six games that that sentence of of five sexual assault allegations gets you upwards of ten years in prison. Can it can it can if they're all confirmed to be true? And here we go with six games. Just just put that into some perspective. And we're talking about four cases because one of those five got dismissed. So four cases of that. And here we are with 20 some odd full confirmed cases. And we're just, yeah, you know what? It's football and he's going to win us a Super Bowl. He but can throw a spiral okay. good. Like, uh, he throw a ball good. There's, That's there's, basically what the Browns turned themselves there's, into. There's, they were covering yeah. everything else up. Like I don't see nothing, but I know Deshaun Watson can throw a spiral. I know he can find the fast guys that we paid millions of dollars to on the outside. You have you have a chance to make your run. That's all I'm gonna say, and, and I and I think they will. I, I I have high hopes that they will because you don't take two out of the three days without discussing it, being like, hey, we we cannot have this set set down six games. I don't care what the players' association does, and I don't care about the situation. Someone someone like I said. You, you you can set a precedent. That's all I'll say. You can set a precedent, and you can figure it out. Somebody needs to uh, pay for what's happened here, and I agree with you. Um, should we implement, like, a rule where we have to spend four hours outside of our normal podcast time to work on the show? Because that was the other story that was going on over the, over the weekend. And honestly, that might have been a lesson in PR Nightmare 101 because the way that this was handled from start to finish is just – it goes all the way back to Kyler having his tantrums and and sweeping his social media of the Cardinals. So I I think somebody in the Cardinals organization held that personally, and it was sandpaper for him for the last few months. And then they signed this contract that I, uh, this is like something that I would have had to sign in high school football, maybe that I would watch four hours of film outside of, of anything I'm doing. Uh, it's, it's, I guess let's start with let's know. let's start with let's start with it here. If you were representing somebody and the contract that was proposed to your client had this clause in it, would you allow him to sign? If you're the agent, how the hell do you not read that? And be like, hey, they put this in there, and Kyle goes like, they did what now? <laughs> how how do you just gloss over that little little factoid? You're like, huh. 
Kyler, so so the team doesn't trust because look, whether the team says they don't trust they trust him or not, putting that in there means you didn't have some trust in him. Like you did not think he it doesn't matter how much you can say we have full trust in him. Someone didn't. Mm-hmm. Someone didn't know what else you wouldn't have because that is a clause that is in I don't think very I, I don't know the exact number, but I don't think it's very, very minimal. Maybe it's in a bunch of backup quarterbacks freaking uh playbook. Honestly, or, or I don't think Besides I think it's that, the first time. I think McAfee said it's the first time in NFL history this clause has been implemented in a contract. I, I can't I, I don't understand it. If you're Kyler Murray and you sign this fat contract and you don't even think, well, maybe we should read it all. Well, there's a first problem. For, the, for honestly, that makes it it that fact alone makes perfect sense why he signed that contract because he probably just looked at the back page. He's like, oh, I get $160 million dollars on signing? Yes, I signed I don't this. care what it says. Yeah, I don't care what it says. Just give me the money. That's uh, basically exactly what it was. And this this sounds – I hate – I know we don't talk a whole lot. This sounds like a Freddie Freeman situation 2.0 about how the agent was holding something back from him. And if the agent would have told him that 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 this clause was in there, Kyle would have been like, it's what? And Freddie Freeman, when he turned to realize that the Braves actually had a contract for him and he didn't sign, he was like, they did what? It's, it's exactly that exact same, same scenario. I would not be surprised if, if Kyle is very pissed off of his agent right now. I'm sure he probably doesn't get rid of him because he just got paid this fat contract. But either way, they got rid of it. But I, I don't understand how you can how, – how a front office can be like, hey, let's slide this in there because maybe they won't read it. Well, someone's gonna read it at some point. Some idiot down the road. Is the whole like, world read it now. This is in there, being, being like, okay, well, you don't have trust in Kyler. That's all it said. I don't care. Like I said, I don't care what you say now. But you also, already you you put it down in paper that you don't trust him, right? So it doesn't matter what you say now. You put it in paper. You don't trust him. How did we settle on just the four hours of extra time? <laughs> Why is it? That seems like a little bit of an arbitrary number. Like uh, Steve Kahn was sitting in his office and he goes, ah, let's say four hours a week. He could, he should be able to do four hours a week. He could play COD from six to six to eight, but then from eight to 10 and then 10 it's bedtime. Cause I guess. I'm surprised there isn't a bedtime clause in there. Have you seen that stupid Post Malone video that's been going around when he's playing the, the country music? He's like, this has been the most fun I've ever had and because it's Post Malone and he's weird. He goes, do you guys have a bedtime? That's all I kept thinking of when Kyler, when Kyler got up and and then that, this is the other part of that story because he did get up. It was redacted. The Cardinals did take it out of the contract and Kyler Murray had a press conference. Um, the biggest little, he's the most angry little guy you've ever seen on that podium. Yes, he is. He went 48-0 in high school. Obviously, he watches film, but yeah, this is basically how I heard that entire press conference from from Kyle Murray. Uh, I watch film. I'm a professional quarterback. This guy, this guy creates professional contracts and thinks that things don't get leaked in the world of social media today. That's, I, I mean, I mean, come on now. It's 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 honestly hilarious. I feel bad yeah. for my friends that are Cardinals fans that live in Arizona because obviously Kyler was on the verge of going to play baseball, and obviously Kyler, the the, the organization doesn't have trust in Kyler. I mean, you can go down the list of things that the, the, of the shit show that is the Arizona Cardinals and a division that is one of the best in football, where you were one, one where two quarter or two of the four teams now have brand new starting quarterbacks, and you're gonna look at yourself being like, 
you know what? Maybe we could slide into the second spot above above Seattle and possibly above San Francisco if Trey Lance doesn't turn out to be good. Because we have a decent quarterback that's been longer in the league. Huh? No, because you 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 don't know how to run an organization. It's 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 sad. I, I feel bad. It is sad. Yeah. No, I, my uh, buddy that lives out in Arizona, he said that they're going to be lucky to win six games and. <clears throat> they're talented enough. They should they be are. able to win more than you have, six. You have, but... a t- you have a top receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You have a quarterback that I, I think is top 15 at minimum and Kyler Murray. But you, I'm, wait a second. Keep keep going. Keep going. Keep top, finish your you, point. You have a halfway de- decent defense that, that, that obviously lost Chandler Jones, but you still have – Yes, it's old J.J. Watt, but it's still J.J. Watt. I don't care what you say. Number 99 coming off the edge still intimidates the hell out of every left tackle. So, come on. That's all I got to say is come on. Kyler has a brand new weapon. You have have Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. You you drafted Trey McBride, a good tight end that will probably be your number one guy alongside Zach Ertz. He has weapons. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. Well, you did everything right for this guy in the offseason, right? You, yeah, you got him his yeah. buddy from college, you signed E-Hop, and you brought you drafted the tight end with your with your, one of your first couple picks. Like you kind of should be through the moon, happy. Except well, he will be. He will be. Because guess what I just found out? The new Call of Duty release is on October 28th. Oh. Yeah. And week eight oh, is October thirtieth. So I oh, now that makes the, the six the six game prediction from my buddy makes a lot more sense because the new Call of Duty is going to drop and they're going to beat the Jets on October twenty third. But then October thirtieth they're going to play the Jaguars and it's just he's not going to know what to do. He's going to be like he's going to be spam teabagging. He's going to be glitching. That's all he's going to be doing because uh, that four hours is going to go out the window oh, when that when gosh. that game comes out. I'm sorry if it seems like we're I'm going wrong. hard at Kyler we're Murray, not, but we're not wrong. But I'm, come on, but I mean, come on. We're not even dissing Kyler Murray at this point. It's mostly dissing the Cardinals for being idiots and being like, "You got to do your homework." There's You're no- a 20, 20 some odd year old man, human being that we're paying one hundred fifty million dollars to. But do your homework. Like, come is there, on. Is there any benefit that you could see of releasing that information? It, it could only have gone this. They way. didn't release it, so so there's no somebody benefit. in the Cardinals had to have released it. Who else would have because it's it, not it was probably his agent looking it over again because it wasn't released by them directly it wasn't like the cardinals instagram posted hey everyone kyler has four hours of homework this week everyone wish him good luck right yeah. it yeah. wasn't well, them. you'd think but also like man we should fire we gotta get his agent fired we gotta Some get his agent fired. people there's multiple eyes that look at a contract when it's signed it's the nfopa it's 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 kyler murray's kyler murray it's his agent it's his representatives it's the team it wasn't i'll tell you right now the cardinals want, wish that went under the rug as much as possible because it, because it didn't yeah it, it is and I'm, I'm correcting myself here because i was looking at the, the wrong schedule so on october 23rd Actually, on October 20th, so it's their Thursday night game even. That's even worse because it's going to come out over their mini-bye week. But they'll play this, the Cardinals will play the Saints week seven, and then they'll play the Vikings the week after that on October 30th. So we'll see exactly. if there's a Call of Duty hangover. Yeah, we're going to see if there's a Call of Duty hangover for the Cardinals in week eight. Uh, let's, let's move off the goofy and the ridiculous and the downright uh, unsettling, which is what we've talked about so far for the NFL. And let's get into – one of the hottest divisions in sports right now. It's the AFC West. You have three 
I'll say three marquee quarterbacks because we're not going to count. Derek Carr's more of a goth quarterback. Derek Carr's if a you're, top 15 quarterback, not top yeah. 10, but he's top 15. Yeah. If you're into Derek Carr, you definitely like Derek Carr. But we're we're talking about the AFC West today. Uh, I'm going to let Nico take more of the lead on this one because it is his his team's division. He's obviously the resident Bronco fan. So uh, he'll, he'll be – The resident idiot, as we like to call himself. So, so before we get into the division, there was some Broncos news that I think is kind of fun. That thing, that thing is dope. Lewis oh, Hamilton. We get to bring the mood, mood up. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton is uh, one of the greatest. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Formula One diehard because I basically watch Drive to Survive only, and I freaking love the show. But Lewis Hamilton, one of the greats of all time in Formula One, is part of the ownership group. And, and talk about an organization that is that is committed to bringing in championship pedigree, right? Peyton Manning is a consoler. You just bring in Russell Wilson, who's, who's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You bring in a seven-time uh, uh, Formula One champion, the most all-time – actually, no, not the most all-time. I'm not going to call myself there because, like I said, I don't know much about it. I just know about the show. And, and, and you bring in Lewis Hamilton as, 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 as a part, as an, uh, part owner. You, you are building a foundation of, of we want success back to this organization. Having a guy like Lewis Hamilton who is – I'll, I'll, I'll go about and say it is the Michael Jordan of, of, of Formula One about his cultural impact in Europe and across Formula One in general. Of, of everyone knows who he is. If you're if you're a somewhat racing fan, you know who Lewis Hamilton is. There's yeah. zero doubt about it. And the fact that he would be like, you know what, this team in Denver, Colorado, I want to join their ownership group, right? This guy from the, the guy is knighted by the Queen yeah. of England, Sir Lewis Hamilton, as he's called. And, and this guy be like, you know what? I want I want to dabble in this a little bit. It's great for the Broncos. It's great for football too. Because talk about one thing that that NFL does is poor poorer at than than football. Or sorry, football is poorer at than basketball, hockey, baseball. It's the cultural. It is the widespread widespread of fans. Look, there is no doubt the NFL is king in North America. Mm-hmm. When it comes to South America, when it comes to Europe, football isn't football's called plays is a different sport there. Okay, so so it is yeah. not it is it's grown. I'm not going to say it's it has not grown, but when you when you bring in the aspect of, of Great Britain and and this this nation or this this worldwide just ambassador for the sport like you can have in Lewis Hamilton, it, it grows your game so much. I mean. Think about it. The Broncos play a game in London this year. I think it's a Jaguars game. I'm not positive, but I think it's a Jaguars game. And you get a chance to – your guy, Lewis Hamilton, will be there in person. You don't think that Formula One guys would be like, you know what, I'm a Formula One fan. Lewis Hamilton, I'm a big Mercedes fan. Let's, let, let's go check out what these Broncos have. It yeah. grows this team worldwide. It grows the game. It's perfect for it. I could not be more excited about this. I'm more excited about Lewis Hamilton than fucking George Lucas, the guy who created Star Wars. So, I mean, come on. This is kind of fun, is it not? It's no, a little I mean, fun. Here's my hot take I got Walmart. I got Walmart. I got, I got Star Wars. And I got Formula One, the best thing in my team. I think yeah. that's kind of fun. Here, here's my hot take for why Lewis Hamilton is suddenly interested in being an owner in an American football team. Honestly, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, because you know, I get I, I get love that Ted Lasso, but I would not go that far. I get that it's a soccer show. I get that. 
but it is a very it's the whole point of it it's it's the fish out of water tale so now lewis hamilton's the fish out of water and it's the philosophy of learning what the sport can teach you and it's a weird it's a different way of doing things so i think that it may might not be the full reason yes it's a it's a smart business move the value of the team the projections it's only going to go up so it's not like it's a bad thing but i do think that it, it has a slight slight play into it but uh let's go ahead recapping from 2021 the afc west standings the Chiefs won the division 12 and 5 on the season, obviously lost in the AFC Championship to the Cincinnati Bengals. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders were the wild card team, finished with 10 7 record. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Chargers tried to play Tizies with the Raiders in, in the last week, but then Brandon Staley screwed that up. So they ended up getting eliminated from the playoffs with a 9 and 8 record. And the Denver Broncos, for it was three years in a row that they were fourth, right in the division. I'd say the two or three. I'm not. It's sure. been six, uh, five years it's since a uh, six years five. since it'll be, a. It'll be seven years since we've been in the last in the playoffs. Yeah, so it's uh, the Broncos. Obviously, seven and ten on the year. It's Fangio's last season. That's basically the the main highlights. Uh, other than uh, I think this is really yeah, when you could say Justin man. Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert really did establish himself in the 2021 season as a guy who has talent and shows. Uh, very promising upside, but I guess we'll we'll get to that because it is the Los Angeles Chargers. But that's where everybody finished out last season. Uh, obviously, a lot of movement. Devontae Adams yeah. joins the division. Um, you Khalil, have Khalil Mack rejoins. Khalil the Mack re- rejoins the Jones. division. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster is going to be here. DJ Jones, Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, the, the list kind of goes on and on because now you have the big names in the AFC West, so everybody wants to come out and play. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Also, no Tyreek Hill. It's the first time that we're not going to have to to worry about a Tyreek Hill uh, factor in, in a long time. But let's uh, let's get into. I guess we'll we'll start with uh, your team. What are you? Let's let let's let's start with the Broncos. Obviously, I'll give a full division breakdown, but I want I want to touch on each team real quick, and then I'll give you my predictions. First of all, my Broncos. Obviously, look, we're seven and ten last year. This is with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback. Let's not forget that that seven and ten record. It was still not was still like middle of the middle of the league. We weren't we weren't the Jaguars. <laughs> we weren't we weren't we weren't the Bengals or Rams. But we were right middle of the league, and you brought in a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's 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 all you need to say, right? And people like well, if the Broncos went seven and ten last year, right, with those two quarterbacks. Is Russell Wilson three games better than Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah. Okay. Ten and seven then. Does that get you in the playoffs? Ten and seven gives you that. Yeah, you would have tied yeah, with you would have been in a situation to tie with the Raiders. So exactly. Yeah. So for all the people saying this team still lasts, this team hey, this no, team, it's, no, no, I'm not, I'm not no, pointing no, at you. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing no, at I'm, everyone. I just want to put out there too, because we talked about this when we did our recap when we went to the, the Bengals Broncos game in Denver. When we went into that game, whoever won was going to have the easier track to somehow make the playoff. Yeah, at that point, it was the wild card for both teams. The Bengals went on a run, and everybody else in their division ended up falling off. But if the Broncos would have beat the Bengals, they would have been they would have stayed in, in, position, in the hunt so, graphic. Yeah, yeah. So that was the up. that was the week that the teams fell out of the in the hunt graphic, and it was the the Broncos who ended up losing to the Bengals. And um, yeah, because yeah, uh, playoff implications that game. Broncos yeah. win that game; they're in the driver's seat to, to be a wild card team. They are. If the and the Bengals lose that game, they may not make the playoffs. 
Yeah. That's just the reality of it. It's it's weird saying that, but that's and, and you think, look, Russell. I don't care what what you think about Russell Wilson, how corny he is, how how whatever he Let's is. Let's ride. The, the, the fucking let's ride. I'm all aboard the, the, the corniness, all right? I don't care because this guy is better than anything this team has seen since 2014. I'll say it because Peyton fucking sucked the last year. He was only there for, for the poster boy, okay? That defense won us that Super Bowl. Let's not forget, okay? So this is the best quarterback the Broncos will have touched the field since 2014. And a guy, like I said, what championship pedigree? This team is much improved. Losing Tim Patrick to an ACL certain ACL injury will be a massive blow. I am not going to downplay that, but losing that on Tuesday morning, I think that will hurt us massively. But Judy's got to step up now. Judy will step up, and there's a guy that missed all of last year. KJ Hamler is right there as well. You, yeah. you, you, like I said, you have options. Losing Patrick will hurt, but you have guys that will have to step up now. Absolutely. And, yeah. that, and with Russ doing that, you can do that. So my predictions for this team, look, look, because it's my team, I will do a game-by-game quickly basis of what my rec- what my team will be. Okay. Seahawks, 1-0. Texans, 2-0. 49ers, 3-0. At Las Vegas, 3-1. Versus Indianapolis, uh, 4-1. At Los Angeles, 4-2. New York, 5 and, or Jets, 5-2. Jaguars six and two, Tennessee uh, six and three. Wait, Vegas wait, wait! At- six and two before the bye. Yes. Okay. Listen okay. to the teams I just listed, Jimmy. No, Houston, I don't. Yeah. Houston, yeah, yeah. Seattle, uh, uh, New York, New York, and Jacksonville. If you're not four and at least four, four and four at minimum, I, I think they can be in Indianapolis. I think you can beat San Francisco. You gotta remember San Francisco with Trey Lance playing in his third game. That's the important thing to remind people. Trey Lance maybe right, right. Game. Third but game. here's the other, the other thing that I'll say is it's Indianapolis with Matt Ryan instead of Carson Wentz and I'm, Phil I'm Rivers. aware of that, but this is a second-year Jonathan Taylor where people have film on him. And it's not like Indianapolis has a lot of weapons outside because they still don't have anything outside of Jonathan Taylor for Matt Ryan to throw to. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Six and two. Six and two. Six and two at the six bye. And two. And then... I, I say lose at Tennessee. I think you split with Vegas. So, so you're seven and three. You lose the first one in Vegas. You win the second one against them. So seven and three. You beat Carolina eight and three. Lose to Baltimore eight and four. You beat Kansas City at home nine and four. You lose you lose Arizona nine and five. Lose the Rams nine and six. Lose to Kansas City nine and seven. Beat Chargers at the end of the season ten and seven. I think that's a fair assessment. I think you split with the Chargers. I think you split with all your division opponents. I think you split with Kansas City, split with L.A., and I think you win each of those home games, lose the away games, and obviously vice versa, whatever. But you are in, you're playing a last-place schedule, and you have Russell Wilson at quarterback. We cannot underestimate this enough. Yeah, the Chargers yeah. are playing tough teams. The Raiders, who are second division, will be playing tough teams. The Chiefs will be doing the exact same thing with a much, much harder schedule. So you are playing last place teams in New York and Jacksonville and Houston that and that you could be like, you know what? Maybe we can beat these guys. Carolina is another one. You can beat these guys, and you have to beat the good ones. And if you had trust in this team to to beat the bad teams last year, you should have more trust in this team with with Russell Wilson at now. Right, you should. So, you should. so yeah. I'm looking at ten and seven with an optimistic view. Obviously, I, 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 I think we can win all the easy ones. There, there's six games on the schedule. I'm looking at being like we should beat them, and then there's the and if you pull three out of your ass against division teams, you're sitting at minimum nine and eight, and all you gotta do is win one 
against against one of the other good teams, right? Whether it be Indianapolis, whether whether it be Baltimore, or whether it be Arizona or LA, one of those, one of those four. You win one of those and you beat all the bad teams and you go 500 against your division, you're in the playoffs. I think I, that's a that's a recipe for a wild card spot. I'm not picking my team to win the division. Let's get this no. straight. I'm not picking them to win the division, but I'm also saying this team is in prime position with its with its with with, with its uh, um, schedule because of all the last place teams on its schedule to possibly jump in for a wild card. I I think that that's reasonable. I'll give you this. I think by the end of week six. I think from the start of week four at Las Vegas to the end of week six at Los Angeles, that's where we're going to really see what this Broncos team is capable of because it's all sunshine and rainbows now. And and the two most positive guys are your head coach and your quarterback in the league. There's nobody more positive than, than Nathaniel Hackett. There's nobody more positive than Russell Wilson, but that's right now where they're not losing games. They're able to just run their plays on air pretty much. They're going hard once once every four days, trying to keep everybody healthy. Obviously, it didn't work out too bad uh, for, for Tim Patrick. That's going to be a big loss. But if you can take those games and you either do end up – I think it's a possibility that you maybe lose Vegas, you lose at, to Indianapolis, and then bounce back with a win against Los Angeles. I could see that possibly happening. I think Indianapolis is going to be better than they were last year with Matt Ryan. I think that – that Matt Ryan's going to show he still has a little bit left in the tank when the team is actually trying to do something. If you're able to weather a couple of losses and then bounce back, that's going to show me what I need to see about this Broncos team. That's what I saw about the Bengals last season. The Bengals had a rough stretch of the year where it was like, I don't know. We lost that game because we didn't show up in the first quarter. We lost that game because the kickers forgot how to make field goals against Green Bay. But then you bounce back, and you're always in these competitive matchups. Being in competitive games is going to be huge for Broncos fans because a lot of the over the last five years, a lot of the times when you get down, it's not just that you get beat. It's that you get beat in bad ways, and you get beat up badly. So if you can bounce back, if they can show some resilience, I think that's going to be huge for the Broncos in this season behind – the new regime of Hackett and, and Wilson. That's my biggest takeaway for this Broncos because they're obviously, I think that defense has a chance to be, if their secondary solidifies itself, they have a chance to be damn good. Not as, as good as 2015, but they have a chance to be damn good. And on offense, they should be better. I agree with you. Wilson does add that effect. However, it's going to be, how do you handle negative situations? How do you handle negativity in your system? Absolutely. And I fully expect Shatan to be a top five corner by the end of the year. I, and I know that may be high praise, but I, I expect him at the end of the year to be a guy like, man, this guy is an, is an all-pro in, in, in a position where he could be an all-pro. That's what mm-hmm. I'm expecting for Sertan. I'm expecting bigger years from Jared Judy and, and Colton Sutton. Obviously, those two. KJ Hammer being back helps. I think this team is in the right direction. Do I? But I will say, I still have us finishing third. We yep. to say that. I have us finishing third, but three teams, I still, I still think three teams in this division will make the playoffs. I still, I still think that. So, so segueing that to the team that won the, the division the last four years, five years, however long it's been, the Kansas City Chiefs, you lose Tyreek Hill, that hurts. Absolutely hurts. 87 is still there. <laughs> but you still have one of the most dynamic players in football still, and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey connection. Look, Juju is not going to be able to do what Tyreek Hill did. Maybe this guy called Sky White or whatever, the guy from from some small school wearing number 24 oh, has I... a position to be a flyer. But I, I said, this Chiefs team – if they're going to take a step back this year, I still think that they'll be they'll drop out of the first seed. 
I still don't. It doesn't matter if you lost Tyreek Hill. I still have the Chiefs winning this division, but I think it's a lot closer. I think they go 11-8, and eight, and I think the Chargers and Broncos both go 10-7. That's how I see it right now. So, so as of right now, I'm going 11-8 for the Chargers with, with KC because of that home field advantage and because the Chargers coming there is, is different. Playing the cold in December is not fun. The, the, the Raiders have to do that exact same thing. And I think the, Chief, the Chiefs can win, I will say, six, at minimum, six out of the eight uh, um, division games. And that, and, and that, that is obviously the weird case, cases where Vegas wins on a, on a game-winning field goal or Chargers do the same thing. I think, I think if, if you're the Chiefs, you got to shoot for five or six wins in a division, and then you're right back where you are, right back in the playoffs with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I, and as a Broncos fan, like I said, that's the, that's the Giants. The Giant is a little weaker. He took, he took his knees out, but the Giant is on his knees and he's still swinging. So, Should have gone so, for the hit. Exactly. Should have gone for the head. So it's not done. Job's not finished. But you, like I said, I still have the Chiefs winning this division, and that's that's because of Patrick Mahomes and the, the top two quarterback. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I don't know why people don't think he's a top two quarterback. I hear I see people saying Josh Allen. I see people put, saying Tom Brady. It's still Patrick Mahomes and it's Josh Allen are the top two in football. There's zero. There's zero debate about that. Okay. So we still have a top two quarterback in the in the league, and, and if not if not number one. So. I, for that reason, I have the Chiefs winning the division again. I think they're due, though, for a first round, possibly second round exit. I, 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 I have a feeling, though, that they're going to squeak in with 11-8. They're going to be a three or four seed, and you're going to run into a, a second, round, second round matchup on the road that will not be favorable for you. Yeah. I can see that happening. I think what I'll give you, this is going to be the year that the Broncos break the streak. They're not going to go winless against the Chiefs I, again. I just hope so. Because, hey, they almost did it with Teddy B and Drew Locke. They should have done it if it weren't for Melvin Gordon's uh, popcorn exactly. before the pregame popcorn. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's his face? Or, or oh, uh, no offense. If no offense could stand in the way of anybody, for yeah. Two seconds. God damn. Um, so I'll, I'll give you that. I do think that this is the year that happens. I agree with you. As much as it's going to hurt losing Tyreek Hill, I'm actually a little bit encouraged by this Juju Smith-Schuster move. Now I I know that you. The Steelers are a team that you get to see a little bit more often, but I I probably paid a little bit more attention to Juju because he was one of the main threats on that Steelers offense. He has not yet had a quarterback that's really – this is the best quarterback that he's ever played with, and he played with a, a Hall of Famer. Granted, it was at the end of his career, and that that pains me more than anything to say that. I might as well have just uh, jabbed a knife in my chest saying that, that Ben Rottenberger was going to be in the Hall of Fame, but it's true. Won two Super Bowls. This is going to be a different Juju Smith-Schuster, and I know that it's it's guys in their underwear and they're not wearing full pads and everything like that. It looks pretty good. Like Juju Smith-Schuster is is finding ways to get open. He's not the burner down the field, but he's a solid route runner and he's good at finding space. So now you got a, the best guy at finding space from the tight end position in Travis Kelsey, and you got a guy on the outside that can do the same. And like you said, all you got to really do find a, a Scotty Miller or just one of these a KJ Hamler, a guy that's fast and can just blow the top off the defense. And I know that Andy Reid's got like three of those guys stashed away. So as much as they they have hurt themselves with the losses that they've incurred, it's not enough for me to say that they still don't win this division. I agree with you. Yeah. But it is, it's going to be a hell of a dogfight, and I think this might be the last year that they're able to hold that crown. I, I agree too. And then to, to, to 
piggyback off of that, I think the Chargers end up with 10-7, even with the Broncos. I think they, they may, they'll have a tiebreaker. They'll be a two-seed over that. because I don't know exactly how the tiebreakers work because I'm not that big of a genius. But I do have the Chargers going 10-7 because of the factor of Justin Herbert. I don't – and look, this defense is much improved. Adding Khalil Mack, adding in J.C. Jackson – as much improved. There's still questions uh, on the receiving court. Can Keenan Allen play a full healthy season? Can Mike Williams have performances like consistently because he spurts out for one or two games and then you don't hear from him the whole season? Will Austin Eckler consistently be a top five back in this league and not be banged up either? That's all the question marks on offense. There's no question about, about the guy that's under center. There's zero and none about them anymore. So it's the question marks on the offense side that worry me. And the defense, I still think their secondary is still, is still a Swiss cheese back there. And in a division with Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and 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 all and, and Darren Waller, and try, like you go down list, I still think that's a, still a sore point for them. And, and you have an agent, Khalil Mack, that's opposite of of Joey Bosa, or not? Yeah, it yeah Joey it's Bosa. Joey. It's yeah. Joey in LA. But I said I still I think the Chargers will be even with the Broncos, ten and seven. And then, then comes to that team I just hate more than anything, <laughs> right? That, that that team in black and silver. Why are you putting them last, Nico? I'm putting them last because they're head coach. And I don't think I don't think Raiders Nation knows what Josh McDaniels is capable of. Oh, they should have got a taste of it for, with that video. I I think you don't realize of, of, of that Josh McDaniels' career was is only successful because of the greatest quarterback of all time. So so let's 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 not forget about that little factoid. Wait a second. Are you saying that Josh McDaniels is Adam Gase 2.0? Oh no, heaven forbid that, right? <laughs> so, oh my so, goodness. And look, there's no doubt the Raiders got better. And they're a playoff team last year. They were. And they got better. They absolutely got better. But this division got better than where they were at. I look at the Chargers and I look at the Broncos and I see, they, see that they got better. And Josh McDaniels, if you don't think that the Broncos country, when they see Josh McDaniels run out as a head coach of a, of a team that they hate, you don't think we're going to rip into his ass? You I think are this is going to reignite the rivalry. Because honestly, this, is, this, is, this has been lacking, I think, on, on both sides. Because the Broncos, they've struggled we When with, we were good, they sucked. And, yeah. when, when, and when they were good, we sucked. There's right. still no one between. No, it's it's true, and I'm going to uh, last year's schedule. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was a sweep for the Raiders last year. But I just want to make sure yeah, they at I, least I, they I won. The Raiders did win. Yeah, they won um, in Vegas, and they won when they came to Denver, 34-24 when they were here, and 17-13 at the end of the season. So this is going to be the year that. I don't think the Raiders did enough to make sure that they're going to to sweep the Broncos. They're not going to be able to sweep the Broncos. They're definitely not going to be able to sweep the Chargers. And I don't think they'll always get one against the Chiefs because the Chiefs just fall asleep and forget that they're playing the Raiders every year. But it's not going to be like I, I could see them going one in one in five in their divisional and, one, and, in their and, divisional. And, and hear me out, like like. I know I hate the Raiders, and I know Jimmy has some hatred toward them because he lives in Denver. And he gets it. You may be seeing, well, these fuckers. Oh, I, I have more hatred for them because they're trying to negate the playoff loss that they suffered at our Either games. Either way, we don't like, we, neither of us will ever touch or look at a Raiders jersey and, and be like, you know, that'd be kind of cool. But hell no. There, there will never be any silver and black in my wardrobe or, or silver black jersey in my wardrobe. Um, 
ever. It will never even be close to be touching. I'm a jersey collector. Shit will never fucking touch my my rack. That's all I'll say. Okay? Never, ever, ever. Doesn't matter what it is. Never. And 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 we be saying, well, these guys are biased. They added Devontae Adams. They added uh, um they added Chandler Jones. These guys, this team is gonna be legit. I'm and I'm looking at you and I'm like, what made Devontae Adams? The best quarterback in the fucking league. Aaron but Rogers. he's going to another Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> I'm just saying the things that oh, have been man. said. No, 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 no. I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't said. It, Aaron Rodgers said, "I'm going from one Hall of Fame receiver to another." When he called Lazard a Hall of Fame receiver, it wasn't Devontae Adams saying. I oh, thought no. it was. I, I saw know, it as Adams saying it. Though. I know Rodgers said that about Lazard. That's all I know. But either way. I don't care if these two were buddy buddy at Fresno State. Fresno State wasn't winning shit back in the day. Okay, they weren't they weren't doing a whole lot. Okay, so so no. there was another there, there was there was another quarterback over there that that, that kind of, that is that even though you lose Devontae, you're going he's going to find a replacement like that like that. And, and and I get Darren Waller is a top three two or three tight end in this league. I get Devontae Adams is a top two receiver in this league. Hunter Redfro is about to have a big year too. Hunter Riffle was also going to have a big, team, big year. Who's protecting Derek Carr? Not anybody worth knowing. Not anybody. Alex Leatherwood, the guy he drafted last year out of the blue because he drafted a tackle three years in a row, didn't do shit. You drafted another tackle two years ago, didn't do shit. This team two years ago drafted Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs, and I can't remember the last name. Cleveland Farrell. Three, Cleveland Farrell. Three, one guy who's a special teamer and two guys who aren't in the fucking league anymore. And you're telling me this team is still going to fucking win, be a top two team in this division? Uh-uh. No, no, no. Not so fast. And, and and look, as much as much dumb shit that John Gruden did as a coach, he's a far better coach than fucking Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Josh McDaniels rode the ass of Bill Belichick for fucking 20 years. That's the only reason why he gets interviews. That's the only reason why he's a head coach in the league for the second time now. It's the only reason. Because you can't tell me that Josh McDaniels made Mac Jones look like a fucking all-star last year. Mac Jones basically just did what he had to do to win football games. It wasn't him. No. What, 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 did, what did he do with Cam Newton? Nothing. Well, he's not a fucking quarterback whisperer. It was the GOAT he was coaching. Come no. on. Are you kidding me right now? He's the just, worst coach in this division now. Just uh, look at his, his yeah, head coaching resume. Just look I'll at his head coaching resume. You don't have to go any further than he was here. It started off really good, but he could not. He never found his footing. He's. I don't think that the guys like playing for him. If no. I had to hear his voice at practice, I would just not want to play. Be- they, and they, they think he's fucking. He thinks he's Bill Belichick. And people are like, no, the fuck you're not. He's whinier. He, he, he he's, he's the, the whiniest. He, he, he thinks he is Jimmy. That's that's I why know, he, he's fucking getting jobs. He thinks he's doing your job. He tries to and and the Patriot way and guys around Lee like you're not fucking the Patriot way. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were. As far as I'm concerned, you were the pretty boy with the headset on calling plays and just sitting there being like, "Hey Tom, uh, make sure you look at this guy this one play," and just sitting there watching Bill call the next play. I mean, come on. Look, we're very biased. I know we are. Well, this is if you're a fucking Raiders fan, I don't know why you're even listening to the show at this point. But wait, I, here we go. I found, I, I found it. Well, I don't know if that'll be. 
I am just so low on the Raiders. I don't care who's it. Look, I, I think the Raiders, if they could have traded for traded for Russell Wilson, they would have. Yeah. If they, and I bet you twenty bucks they were the fucking Deshaun Watson sweepstakes too. They probably won't fucking admit it. They probably were too. They're probably you know maybe we can go get this fucker. The Raiders have a fucking enough of a, of a track record on their organization to be like you know what let's get this guy. That would have wiped out any good juju that they had because honestly we gave them props like everybody that was able to make it yeah, through absolutely. the season in Bisaccia like. Once you made it through, yeah, you deserve it. But no, they they would have wiped out all their nothing, good karma. In one and day. I have nothing but love for Darren Waller's story. I think it is one of the best stories in all football. There's there there's what what he overcame and what he's doing in the league right now should be unmatched. Yeah, it doesn't mean I don't hate that team. <laughs> it, no. doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't hate that team any less. I got a clip. I'm gonna play for you. I want to I want to see if you remember what what it is. If you remember that moment here. We're going back in time about 12 years to when Josh McDaniels was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. It's just one of the many times he was losing his mind on the sidelines because his offense couldn't score. He had Kyle Orton as his quarterback. Like, he had, he he had, had Jay Cutler and he had Kyle Orton. Like, come on. Hey, I know it's not the best of the best, but are we? I'm not comparing. I think Derek Carr's a better quarterback than Kyle Orton was. But at one point, Kyle Orton was was on a team that was a pl- consistent playoff contender. I know yeah. it's weird to say, but he was the Bears were a consistent playoff contender. Yes, it was because of defense, but they still did that. So I, so, I just I, I I think people I I said I I, I do I people are like the Raiders this Raiders that Raiders this Raiders that. As far as I'm concerned, it's the Chiefs, it's the Chargers, and then the Broncos have to prove themselves. They do. They have to, I'm not saying they don't. They have to prove themselves. But the Raiders, you were lucky to squeeze them last year. As far as I'm concerned, but you you've got gifts to the playoff spot because the Colts couldn't fucking steal the deal in Jacksonville. True, true. Forgot right? about that. Right? Forgot about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that little factoid. <laughs> the, the, the the fucking clown heads in Jacksonville. <laughs> we were, yeah. Their owner for the last game of the year, knocking out the Colts for making the playoffs. Yeah, that happened. Shad Khan's way. team. Yeah, Shad Khan's team stood in the way of the Bengals beating the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs and beating the Colts in the first round of the playoffs. That's that's wild to me. I think the take, Raiders take a step, step back. Yes, Devontae Adams is all that. Yes, yeah. yes, Chandler Jones is all that, but I think they'll take a step back. So recap of your standings, you have the Chiefs finishing one, but it's a much closer margin uh, well, with I have 11, 11 and 8. 11 and 8, yep. Yeah, and then the Chargers-Broncos tied with 10 and 7. You, you gave yeah. the – the Chargers, uh, the tiebreaker, right? Tiebreaker, for yeah, the, the two. The Broncos. Because I think we'll have more division wins. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's how it goes. I think we'll have more division wins. The Broncos at three at a 10 and seven record. So they turned themselves around three extra wins that they did not have on last season, first winning season in, in six years. So that'll be huge for them behind Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. And then the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders go probably like eight and nine or seven there time. Right there. I, I, it's not like they're going to suck. Okay, I'm not no. saying they're gonna suck. I think they'll be eight and ten. I think they'll hover around nine and eight, eight, nine, seven, ten. I think that's that's exactly I think the, where I'm I think too that the Raiders are gonna be able to beat up on some of like they I can see the Raiders. Yeah, they're they're gonna be able to to win games in fashions that you'll look at them and go, why aren't they better or more considered in the playoff picture? And then you're gonna look at the rest of their like their schedule when they get into their divisional games, and I think you're gonna see they really just didn't like they they thought that they got the firepower. Here's what they did. They brought a gun to a knife fight, but they brought a pistol and the guys that they're playing against all brought like heavy artillery. They're the only ones that showed up with one 
One firearm. This is the best way to put it, Jimmy. They, they, they brought all the fucking bullets in the world, the heavy duty, the, 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 the ones that pierce fucking elephants bullets, except they're shooting out a pistol. Yeah. Their car is the pistol, and, and the bullets just ain't gonna be able to firepower that much. <laughs> it's bullets, gonna be those, they're powerful, but they ain't gonna be able to do it. Because look at this, they have a tough schedule. Yeah, they, they, they do. They play, they 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 play the Rams. They play uh, well, Arizona. Play Tennessee. Let's go to the, the first three weeks. They go at Los Angeles, at the Chargers, at the Cardinals, or, or home against the Cardinals, at the Titans. I think Tennessee will take a step off. If I'm being honest with you, but either way, Car- Chargers. I, I think it's a loss for them, and I think Arizona. Like I said, it's it's you. They it depends Kansas, on if Kyler's doing his homework. The, the most important, the, the thing I'm looking at the most here. Can, they put Kansas City last week of the year, and they sit at nine and eight. And, and the Chargers and, and, and the Chiefs are trying to win their division with this one last game, and they're even with the Chargers or even with the Broncos, even with the Raiders. I'm taking the Chiefs out, uh, Chiefs to beat them. I just am. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I just don't have trust in the Raiders. I don't. I, I don't. You can call me biased. Call me whatever the hell you want. I don't. Like I said, it's a pistol trying trying to trying to trying to pull a magnum 1240 or whatever the hell you want to call it bullet range it's not going to work no i i think i agree with you i would have had it similar um i was honestly thinking that you might put the broncos at two but it's nice to it's a little bit more realistic to see them i think they could tie record wise but i do think i agree with you i think the chargers were a year away last year i think the broncos might be a year away this year of really making uh some noise in the postseason but i i agree with pretty much everywhere the raiders they, they did good things, but they didn't do enough of them and they didn't do the big enough things because the rest of the division decided to absolutely make a huge splash. Uh, let's move on. And before we do that, I wanted to remind you, AAA is treats. If you want to get 10% off your order, when you mention uh, Variety Sports Network, you can get some nice tasty treats from AAA Treats, um, another proud partner of the Variety Sports Network. Super happy to uh, be on board there. And uh, like we said, we'll, you'll hear the seventh inning stretch guys from the Variety Sports Network coming up here soon. Real quickly, before we get into any of that, uh, we did have a title change in the UFC happen over the weekend. We didn't mention it going in, kind of ran out of time, if we're going to be honest, when we were doing episode 102. But Amanda Nunes did reclaim for her women's UFC uh, featherweight crown, I believe was the that was the division that she had lost um, to Andrade. And she is back on top of that world. What did you see? I know that you were watching that fight. I'm sure that you bet on that fight. Was it a good weekend? Positive book-wise? I, 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 I couldn't bet on it because Utah doesn't have it. Oh, I forgot. Right. Yeah. We were in uh, We were in God's country. I forgot about I, that. I, I would have. I, I absolutely would have. Uh, look, it's, it's, I, what I saw out of that main event was that Juliana Pena is the, the most fierce fighter Amanda Nunes has ever fighted. And, and I say fierce as in of, of never giving up, trying different ways to win a fight. I kid you not, she was down four, four rounds to possibly one at some point, at minimum three versus two. And that fifth round, she kept trying to, trying to throw arm bars, kept trying to throw, try, try to throw uh, uh, omeladas, like, like, well, you can fucking name the different fucking weird names of, of submissions. Like, like, she was trying to throw everything and didn't quit. This is the only girl that's ever taken Nunez twice to the fifth round, twice. Twice. No one else has made the fifth round a second time. And, and you beat her the first time. And, and look, 
Junior Pena, if Amanda Nunes wasn't in this division and she wasn't a fighter and she retired suddenly, Junior Pena would dominate this division as far as I'm concerned. Because there isn't someone that, that has the heart and, and, and the will to fight as much as um, Junior Pena has done against Amanda Nunes. People forget, Ronda Rousey basically fell over to her. Cyborg basically conceded defeat. I mean, mm-hmm. Shevchenko, the other great in this division, got her ass whooped. I mean, Julian Arpaio is the only one that was able to get that far. I commend her for it. But we're talking about the GOAT of women's, women's MMA. And it's not even close. Like, when she's like, actually motivated, yes. When yes. she's actually motivated, there's no one that can touch her in the octagon. And there's no one that wants to really get in there either and deal with that too. Because that's a whole lot of no thank you, get the fuck away from me that you'll ever see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 126 out of 201 total strikes, 85 significant strikes landed for Amanda Nunes, uh, three knockdowns in the fight as well, also had six takedowns, uh, six of eight takedowns. So she Those, pretty those much... takedowns too, like, like you said, they were interesting because when Nunes was on the fight, on the feet, she was dominating. Once she went to the round, she got into positions where she could have, like she was in a couple holds, and she was in a guillotine. I think it was round two, or round three, and she was also in, in a couple armbar situations that she weaseled her way out of there. But Pena, her 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 jujitsu background cannot be unmatched. Like she did an incredible job trying to trying to keep up with it. Yeah, and then in the other title fight for that night, men's flyweight at one twenty five, Brandon Moreno retains his title with a third round uh, TKO victory over Kai Car France. So uh, Brandon Moreno was the, I believe he was the first Mexican UFC champion uh, since Kane. And he was the first one at that weight class for sure. And now he's defended, he's won his title and defended his title and did it in fairly convincing fashion here. So so Uh, hold on, there there is a caveat here. He wasn't defending this title. This was an interim fight. He lost to Figueredo last. So so him and Figgy... Or God of War, I, I love that nickname. God of War, um, they they have fought three times. Uh, Figgy won the first one. Moreno won the second one. Figgy won the third one. And here we are. They'll probably have, they have to do a fourth. That's, what was that fight we were talking about? Were they probably two? Which is oh, it was a uh, uh, Vulcan Holloway. Vulcan Holloway, where where they basically just gonna keep fighting round and round. It's basically Moreno and Figgy are gonna fight round and round. Because I'm here for it. Fight, and I'm here for it. They, they're two guys that are great fighters. They put on entertaining as fuck fights. And they do an incredible job inside the ring. It was funny. After the, after the fight, Figgy went into the ring. Uh, Figgy doesn't speak a lick of English. And, and he, he, was, he, was, he was talking shit in Brazilian. Moreno was responding back in the nicest way. He was like, man... I, I, I know this belt isn't, isn't true. I can't wait to fight you again. And Figgy's just staring him down. Like, I don't understand a word you're fucking saying. But, oh, but I'm a, there. I am better oh, than you. Yeah. I am better than you, basically. And Marina's really? like, I have nothing but respect for you. I hope to fight you again soon. And then Figgy's like, fuck yeah. I'm better than you. It was hilarious. I was like, this is the most awkward. Stare down. And they hugged each other after. I'm like, do you think Figueroa knew what he was saying? And do you think Moreno really, this is how you're gonna hype, fight, hype up the fourth fight. Like, it was hilarious. I was dying laughing watching that. I was like, "Come on, boys! Like, 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 give me a Brock Lesnar versus. Uh, well, did he push DC in the ring or something? But that fight never happened. Yeah, he pushed yeah. DC. I think pushed him. We never got that fight. Well, not we never will. But but it's it's 
that that's the the highlight of, of someone coming into the ring and doing it. And these guys are hugging out, being like, "Brother, I love you. I'm gonna fight you again soon. I'd be honored to step in the ring." And the guy just doesn't understand a single thing he's saying. And be like, "I'm the fucking real champion." That's hilarious. If you if you watch on YouTube or if you go pull up the, the post fight press conference, I kid you not, it is the most awkward thing in the world. It, it is it is hilarious. Oh, and you know what those psycho Brazilian fans chant in Portuguese when they when they have when you're fighting one of their guys? What it means in Portuguese is you're gonna die. That's what they chant as you walk to the ring in Portuguese. So, um, yeah, I think Davidson Figueiredo might have the edge mind game wise if it actually gets under Moreno's skin. Um, that a ton. Anything else that really stood out from you from uh, Saturday? Uh, Uncle Live, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith is he should just stick to uh, do what Paul Felder did. Yeah. You had your shot. Just be an announcer. You're pretty good as an analyst. I kid you not. Uh, Uncle Live, he's going to be a problem in the light heavyweight division. He looks like he can't. I mean, the wave of Dagestanis is, is getting strong. He, he, he looks good. He looks like he could. Give me him versus Yuri Palashka. Oh, fire me up. That's going to be such a good fight. That's a fight that I need as a pay-per-view. Those two dudes will beat the living hell out of one another. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that one, be, so that one, one would be pretty good. Um, at the heavyweight division, we did have one of those fights. Derek Lewis got knocked out in less than a minute. From, yeah, by the, the Sergey Pavlovich just whooped Pavlovich. his ass too. Yeah. He and it was it was a weird stoppage. Don't get me wrong, weird stoppage. Uh, um, Derek Lewis basically popped up right after he was knocked down, and the referee stopped him. It was it was a bad stoppage. Don't get me wrong, but he was not winning that fight. This guy looks like the Russian He Man. Holy crap! He's a fucking massive human being. <laughs> Pavlovich is, is six three two fifty four. Oh, he's both those dudes. Those two eighty-four dudes inch reach. Those two dudes standing in the ring with one another would be like, "My God, these are two titans." You couldn't even see the. T- you couldn't even see the octagon behind those two. It's like when Carwin fought Lesnar, and you're just like, "The world is going to cave in. This is going to cause a seismic event, and these two are going to step wrong, and and Fiji's going to not exist anymore. That's what's going to happen here." Um, oh, absolutely. And Pavlovich dominated. It, it may yeah. have been an early stoppage, but. Derek Lewis barely got anything landed on him. He was basically clean as a whistle. So Pavlovich is a guy that may mess around and sneak up on some people. Maybe throw him against Curtis Blades now. Maybe throw him against I, I don't know. You can go down and list the names of possible contenders. Throw him against Curtis Blades because that seems to be the pecking order. People fight Derek Lewis, they beat them and after they lo- beat Derek Lewis, they go to Curtis Blades and they never can beat them, I guess. So there's the pecking order. Give him Curtis Blades, see what happens there, see if he's worthy of being a champion. Like I said, 16-1. It's not to be taken lightly. Yeah, yeah. That one loss was his actually the last loss that he suffered in his career. It was uh, back in 2018 where he lost to Alistair Overeem. Um, and Overeem at that time was yeah, that was a fucking stunt. That was a different kind of Overeem. He had a little bit of a layoff, obviously, with the pandemic, because um, he goes from 2019, October of 2019, didn't fight again until March of 2022. Uh, but I'm sure he was stuck in Russia and, and had different things with the pandemic and all of that kind of stuff. I see a few matchups that I kind of like with him. I like uh, maybe a Rosenstruck, an Overeem yeah. rematch. Um, Alexander Volkov, but then after that, yes, you you definitely did start moving up and and fighting the Curtis Blades and seeing if you actually have what it takes to fight this predator that we have sitting at the top of the heavyweight division right now. Because as big as this guy is, 
he's still going to he's still look smaller, smaller than, than Francis Ngannou. Uh, is a god amongst men, basically. That is, you sh- we should go shovel sand in the sand mines for a little bit. Maybe we start looking more like him. Uh, my, my tone out my shoulders. I might want to look into that for myself. Uh, before we get into, we're going to transition now and bring on Josh and Logan for their uh, segment here. We talk MLB trade deadline and do a start bench cut with them of uh, best Cardinals players of all time. Nico put them on the spot with that. Before we get into that, in the clutch, in the clutch sports, you can get 10% off your whole order when you use code Variety Sports. That's all one word, all caps, V-A-R-I-E-T-Y-S-P-O-R-T-S, Variety Sports, and you get 10% off your order from in the clutch. And that's through our great uh, Variety Sports Network. Follow them at Variety underscore sports underscore. Let's go ahead and throw it to uh, ourselves with Josh and Logan from the 7th Inning Stretch podcast on the Variety Sports Network talking about some MLB trade deadline. And now it's time for a special segment. It's the first segment. You guys have listened to Nico and I long enough, and you guys know that we like to collaborate with other content creators, especially ones that are flying the same flag as we are. We mentioned it two weeks ago. We're on the Variety Sports Network. And what better way to talk about the MLB trade deadline than bringing in the MLB guys from the Variety Sports Network, Josh and Logan from the seventh inning stretch podcast, which you can find if you follow Variety Sports Network on any of your podcasting platforms, also on YouTube, where you can check them out live on their shows. Uh, but we're very excited to have you guys on. So Josh and uh, Logan, I'll give you guys the floor. Whoever wants to take it first, you guys can introduce yourselves and uh, talk a little bit about how you guys got started in the, the content creation. I'll let Josh go first, uh, since he- Oh, you're gonna go first. Yeah, I'm gonna force you to. Well, um, I was lucky enough that uh, the seventh day stretch and BSN were looking for another podcaster. Um, and on a whim, I just messaged them in and said I'd be willing to jump in and, and join sporadically from time to time. And our first couple of shows went well enough that uh, Logan and Brandon, our CEO, invited me to stay full time and be a part of the seventh day stretch and the Cardinal Chronicles. So that's how I got into it. It was uh, just kind of on a whim and out of nowhere. Um, and I'm super happy that I jumped on that opportunity and, and I'm, I'm proud and I'm having a great time with these guys and, and producing content. And I'm happy you guys joined our network to provide us uh, another outlook on all the major sports and uh, things out there towards the West Coast. So you guys didn't you guys weren't friends before the show started or were you did you guys have connections before that? No, we so Logan uh, and I, oh. go ahead, buddy. Oh, so no. Um, I had originally, I was originally supposed to uh, do the show with uh, another person, and things came up, and she wasn't able to do it. And uh, I had never met Josh. The day I met Josh was the day we recorded our first ever podcast. And I had, I had not told him anything, but I had planned all thirty teams. Um, like I was gonna, I had this whole plan. It was gonna take couple weeks but uh everything fell through and so i had to cram all 30 teams like what i expected them to be what they did in the off season i uh crammed all of that into a two and a half hour show uh with josh on the first day and he was like oh yeah that's uh (laughs) that was a lot i was like i didn't mean to but it just Um, happened that way that's uh that's definitely so I, we kind of mentioned it when we had our meeting before Nico and I did officially come on, but, uh, and I'll let Nico, you can jump in here afterwards, but we'd known each other for ever. 
So that's why when Nico and I say that we're podcast partners, it's like a marriage because we've, we've been friends. We first met each other when we were 10 years old. So sometimes it gets a little like you get a little too used to somebody. You got to like push him away for a second. But starting up, like I don't know how our show, our show was rough enough and awkward enough knowing each other for so long. I can't, can't believe that you guys didn't meet before you guys turned the mics on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we had good chemistry at the first episode. I mean, it, I mean, he was able to work well. I mean, we really didn't have any, you know, typically whenever you do a podcast with someone for the first time, no matter how well you know them, you still kind of have this weird thing where you talk over each other. But um, I mean, like, yeah, Josh and I are practically married now. And I mean, we argue all the time. We're, we are the worst marriage. We talk about how we go to marriage counseling all the time. Um, it's bad uh it's a toxic relationship so for and, I'll sure. t- and i'll tell you one thing two guys that cover baseball only you're gonna have a lot of patience so and, and you two would probably have a lot of patience for one another too so uh, I, yeah, right? I, I i can tell <laughs> well yeah. he's not the easiest to work with but uh you know, i do what i can with what i got uh, you know i gotta drag him along from time to time and keep him on track but no um we we, we lucked out i mean um just being put together randomly uh, with no prep up front, just like, here you go, boom. Uh, it worked out really, really well. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with each other. We're getting to know each other too. So like uh, when he goes down, we're going to get together, go out for a few brews, maybe have dinner. Um, but it, it's, it couldn't have worked out any better for a for matchup uh, to rock and roll. And now we're what, five months in and uh, we talk three times a week uh, via the show and, we text basically every day. So, I mean, it, it just works out. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes good things happen unexpectedly and when you're not looking for them. Yeah. It's one of the crazy things about this uh, podcast space and what we've been, because we've been doing it now um, almost going on two years. It'll be two years coming up this month. And just the ability to, I mean, we've had people on from New York City and like the east of Queens, California, um, there's just such a way that the internet and the platform that we all share can grow. You're like able to, cause obviously you guys aren't located in the same place. I, you're, you guys are recording your show remote. Nico and I record our show remote sometimes, but we're living in the same state, but just the podcast community in general, you can bring somebody from all the way across the country and develop friendships, relationships, have awesome conversations that other people seem to enjoy. So uh, real quick, before we start talking about all the, uh, trade deadline stuff where can they find your show and what what times can they find your show josh likes to do this part well you can uh find us anywhere where you find variety sports network uh much like jimmy covered earlier uh apple uh streaming services youtube spotify iHeartRadio. we're just about everywhere you can find us uh, you'll find logan and i covering the full mlb spectrum on our seventh inning stretch show. And if you are a Cardinal diehard or you hate the Cardinals and you want to hear what's going on in the Cardinal world, uh, those are on Wednesday nights. Uh, that's the Cardinal Chronicles. Typically we kick off somewhere between 8.30 and 9. Um, we do have regular jobs because we're just regular people like you guys. So the times vary a little bit, but we try to make sure we stick to the same days, always in prime time. Um, and then seventh inning stretch is usually Mondays and Fridays. Every once in a while, we'll go on a Saturday when we have a special guest who can't fit into the Friday time slot, but 
Um, yeah, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays is when you find us during the regular season. Our schedule will change a little bit come the off season. We'll peel back a little bit since uh, football and hockey and basketball will take over. But we'll still be here to provide you guys solid content in the off season as well. Did you awesome. just call our host regular, regular people? I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, we're I, I did. No. Hey, it's it's just we're all guys being dudes. That's that's what yeah, we're right. here for. We're just exactly. guys being dudes. See, Jimmy uh, knows what I'm saying. I know. Let's uh, let's talk some let's talk some baseball. And uh, trade deadline did end today, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that was actually 6 p.m. Eastern, so it would have been 3 p.m. our time, 4 p.m. Central, where you guys are uh, located. We got. I, I asked you guys to bring three big trades, so we'll talk about those. We'll give uh, a winner and loser from the both of you. And, um, yeah, we'll, I'm basically going to hand over the, the floor to talk about these specific trades that we had in mind, and, and we'll start with the big guy. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, uh, either on Far End of the Bench or the Variety Sports Network, you'll see Juan Soto in the background. The superstar has been placed on the move. He's going to California, but not to the team that most guys get traded to California to. He is going to be a San Diego Padre. Um, and in return, the pa- the Padres gave up. Let's see here. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, Harlan Susanna, and Luke Voigt, all going back to Washington in this trade. So that's one player or two players, uh, Josh Bell and Juan Soto, for one, two, three, four, five, six players in return. So, uh, Logan, w- why is Juan Soto plus Josh Bell worth six players in return? What makes this uh, a good trade if you're looking at it from the Padres' end? Well, I mean, the Padres – I mean, Juan Soto, I mean, I talk about Juan Soto all the time. He's one of the two players I love most in the in MLB. Um, Juan Soto had – is you know 23 years old he's got two two and a half years left on his contract uh before he hits free agency um he's just i mean he's one of the best players already and he's only 23 years old he's been showing that he's one of the best players since he was 19 years old um he's got a career 424 um on base percentage which is unheard of in today's mlb um on pace percentage is a really good stat to judge a person on and um, he's just got one of the greatest plate discipline, uh, or he has the best plate discipline I've seen in a player since, I mean, in a long time. Uh, I, I compare him to Lance Berkman, Matt Carpenter. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. And the Padres, I mean, look, they gave up a lot of good prospects, but Juan Soto is a going to be a Hall of Famer probably. Uh, if he keeps up the pace that he is. And the scary part is, is if you're a Dodgers fan or you're uh, in the NL West, yep, you have you. not even, you, yeah, or the Rockies, yeah, you have not seen all of Juan Soto's potential. And that should scare the living shit out of you. So there is a reason why they gave up their, I think there was two uh, top 100 prospects uh, for Juan Soto. I think Mike, uh, the Harris guy, the third or whatever his name is. Uh, Robert Hassel, the third. Hassel and uh, CJ Abrams are both top 100 players. Uh, so, I mean, they are, they, they gave up a lot for him, but they're going to get some good returns f- with Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who is an underrated first baseman right now. Um, massive. Yeah. I was going to say, Josh, um, what is, what does Josh Bell add into this move? Cause obviously they wanted to just, it's not like you just throw in a random player 
there has to be some kind of reason. What do you, what would be the reason for Josh Bell to be involved in this Juan Soto deal? Well, the last couple of seasons, they've been, uh, the Padres have been very um, unhappy with their contract with Eric Hosmer. Um, they signed up. He was one of the first players they ever signed. I believe he signed in 2016 after he just won the uh, championship with the Royals. And he signed a massive, I think it was $300 million contract. Um, and they, and he just hasn't been performing lately. So, um, Josh Bell is probably one of the best, uh, first baseman on the market right now. And they figured they needed to upgrade because this is a do or die season for them. Um, in order to compete with the rest of the league, they need to upgrade in first base and outfield. Um, Josh Bell has an 877 OPS with a 152 OPS plus. Um, he has 14 home runs and 57 RBIs. Um, yeah, he's a he's a great pickup for the he's a very underrated uh, pickup for the Padres right now. Well, I'm looking at the the standings now. It's 11 and a half games. So Josh, does the does this addition for the Padres give them that push to maybe? you know, make this a, a run down the stretch of the season, or is, is this the Dodgers division to lose in the NL West and the Padres are just acquiring soda to hopefully sneak in in a wild card? So this is, this is more than just about Soto and Josh Bell. This is how dynamic that lineup's about to be. Um, hmm. One thing that I'm surprised Logan didn't mention, and if he did, I missed it. Um, Josh Bell is a great switch hitter too. Hmm. And to have that in the middle lineup is a threat against every team. Also, they have Fernando Tatis coming back at some point um, in the season. So look at that lineup, and you have Machado, Tatis, Soto, and Bell back to back to back to back. That is a nightmare lineup to look at for anybody in, in, the, in the MLB. I mean, even the Yankees would look at that and go, oh, crap, we actually have to pitch to somebody here. So um, this makes the Padres a serious contender. They also signed and extended uh, Musgrove, I believe is his name, their big pitcher to a five-year extension. So they're making a run and they're, they're going to have a, a window here for the world series for at least the next two and a half years. This is a great move by them. Do I think they gave up a lot? Yes. But considering their prospects, um, they gave up weren't as highly ranked as what some of the other teams were offering up. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a good deal for them. Um, I'm, I'm sure Logan is going to be surprised to hear me say that uh, because of how much they gave up, but Josh Bell instead of Patrick Corbin, um, definitely made the deal worth giving up everything they did. They're going to be a nightmare. Um, at this point, in my opinion, the Padres are the winners for the trade deadline, hands down over everybody else in the MLB. Lots mm -hmm. of teams made moves today, but the Padres did it, and they did it big. It's so, uh... To be, piggyback off of what Josh said here, um, yes, the Padres gave up a lot. Obviously, Juan Soto at 23 years old. The thing people are still not taking a factor here is, yes, he has two and a half year, years left on his deal. If he doesn't resign and San Diego doesn't win a World Series in the next two years, it may be one of the biggest, worst moves they've ever made. Let's, 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 let's keep it a buck here. Because, if, 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 look, the Padres have been the little brother to the Dodgers for I, can, I don't know how long, for so damn long. Since the 70s. And, and, and – you look at the, the National League, you still have to deal with the Mets. You still have to deal with the Braves. There's a lot of good teams out there. And if this move doesn't take you over the top, you're going to be scratching your head in four years from now. 
And, and, and if you're the Nationals, you lose Juan Soto. Juan Soto is 23 years old. There's no doubt he's one of the best players in baseball and probably one of the most exciting players in baseball. But if the, Josh Bell was probably already gone in the offseason. I think he was a free agent coming next year. You, you, get that, you get that package back where you get six young players that can jump in your lineup today, you have to be happy. You look, look, a guy that said, I'm not resigning, and you get six prospects that can all jump in your lineup today, yes, it's, it's, it's a tough day to lose. Your jersey sales just went down massively. But four years, five years from now, we could be like, man, this is a great haul. This is this is this set up the Nationals to do what they did in 2018 or 2019, whatever they won. Like it's it was, whatever whatever it was when they won it all. So I like I said it, it's it's a fair deal in my opinion. It's Padres definitely had probably the the best assets across the board to make this deal to get done, and it paid a price. But if you're the Padres, you get Tatis back, you sell Machado, you have Soto, and you. You have Bell, and those four guys just in the middle of your lineup but towards the beginning, along with Cronenworth and those guys, you got to be happy. You got to be happy. I don't. Like, I, I still don't think they'll win the division, if I'm being honest with you. I still think that the, the Dodgers pitching is, is still so far exceeding right now. But I do think the Padres – like I said, we've seen teams come from the wild card and win World Series. So I think maybe there's a shot at them, them doing that this year. But you have to hope – that Juan Soto can return and sign a what 15 15-year 500 a million dollar deal or however much money he wants <laughs> cuz you're going to have to yeah. pay that over cuz you but, don't make this deal without forking up that be, being prepared to fork over that amount of money considering how much you're already paying Tatis and Machado right now so if, if, like I said if it works out for you it works out for you it all works out but like I said I still I still if I'm betting man I'm, which I am I'm still picking the Dodgers to win the division just because of the pedigree they have and the the raw the rawness that the that the Padres are currently at right now it's a interesting time for the Padres because all I remember especially when I was um, when I played baseball I was following baseball a lot more and the Padres were always looked at similar to the Rockies where they never really took a big major chance. And now since the Machado move where they brought him in and got him signed for all that money, we talked about it when they signed Tatis, that this was a risk. There's a lot that has to go right, but it could be the correct decision if Fernando Tatis becomes a superstar like you think. And now you're taking a risk on Juan Soto. So the Padres went from a team that never takes any risk to now I think they have probably the most locked up and hopefully we can get this thing done and people want to stick around. But if not, this Padres team, yeah, they've they basically sold off. Uh, uh, they're they're trying to make sure that they can win currently, and it basically pulling a, a Los Angeles Rams and and just trying to to do as much as they can right now to to push themselves over that edge. Uh, let's move along. Uh, I think the next trade, Logan, that we we said was the Hater trade. Yeah. All right. Um, so-, so this one stuck out to me just because it was so weird for. Um, the Brewers who are uh, ahead in the NL Central right now. And also, um, I mean, they're fighting for, I mean, they're, they're in the playoffs. Um, They're ahead of the Cardinals. As much as I hate to say it, they're in the playoffs and Josh Hader is their best pitcher. I mean, he's the best closer in the game. Um, And so they traded uh, Josh Hader to the Padres for Taylor Rogers, uh, DJ Lamette, and some minor leaguers. Um, 
and it was just weird because the Brewers, uh, they needed offense, and they could have gotten Jake Cronenworth probably. They could have gotten Will Myers, who the Padres have been trying to get rid of for years now. Um, they could have gotten Eric Conner. They got a couple of players from the uh, MLB-ready players now, uh, or MLB-ready players from the Padres, and they didn't. And so uh, the Padres basically fleeced them. And uh, DJ Lament is not going to be playing this year. He's going to, he's still recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, so he's not even going to be able to pitch until next year. So it seems like the Brewers are just giving up this year. Um, I think they bought into the Soto going to the Cardinals rumors too much and that the Cardinals were going to be heavy buyers at the deadline. And they believe they weren't going to be able to compete um, with that. And so they figured they would get as much uh, prospects from bait or hater as much as possible right now. Um, and, and just build on that next year. Josh, what'd you think of, of what Milwaukee did? Do you agree where they're try, probably giving up and, and conceding the division to your Cardinals? So, no, I don't, I don't think they're conceding the division of the Cardinals. Um, but I'm not gonna lie. When I heard about this, I was just like, what? You just opened the door. Oh, great. The guy that got back to close as a closer, his numbers are very, very comparable to Josh Hader's. Um, Josh Hader is on a different level, though, so it really surprised me. Um, I think they see that the Cardinals are looking at the long term in baseball. The Cardinals obviously are not in it to win it this year. They're probably not in it to win it next year, but come 24, 25, 26, that's where that window opens back up for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that may be what Milwaukee was looking at. They're trying to bankroll for the future. They know they can beat the Cardinals. Um, right now in the season, it's an e it's a series split. This whole year, they're 500 against each other. So it's very, very close. They're So my really thought is they're not giving up to the Cardinals this year, but they are definitely planning for down the road. Uh, I It blew my mind. I, I didn't see Hader getting traded. That's nobody. Logan and I didn't even discuss Hader being on the trading block when we started yeah. doing our predictions. Um, I hadn't seen anybody else talk about Josh Hader get traded. So when that came across the wire, I was just – my mind was blown. I didn't know what was going on. I was at work, and I got this new job where I can't touch my phone during the day because we're too busy. So I, I had to catch up when I got home right before we got on the air, and I, so I still haven't figured it all quite out. I don't have the best opinion to give you, unfortunately, right now. But my initial reaction is they're planning for the long term. They're trying to uh, bulk up on prospects to get ready for the future. My, my my instant reaction is there's a there's about fifteen uh, playoff contenders. They're all shaking their heads, being like, "This is what we could have got. We could have gave up for yeah. them." There 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 is more like if you talk about teams like the Dodgers who could use bullpen, Yankees who could use bullpen, Mets who could use another arm in the bullpen. Like <laughs> you're looking at what the Padres gave up for Hayden, you're like. That's what the asking price was? Are you kidding me right now? A guy that's 28 years old and throws as hard as he does? That is, Like you said, those are anomalies in, in the sport of baseball. Absolute anomalies. And you get him at that price? I mean, you, look, the Padres gained or the Padres gained three All-Stars in 24 hours, or maybe it was less than more than 24 hours. When you get a hater, Josh Bell was an All-Star at one point, and obviously Juan Soto. For what you gave up, basically, you take that every day of the week. Like I said, I, yeah. I, maybe the Brewers felt as though that losing their closer isn't that big of a deal and that they have a guy that they can step in right away and still win the division. I mean, 
if, if, if I'm being honest with you from an outsider's perspective, a closer is important, but if you can get three halfway decent prospects for a guy that may not be around much longer, you kind of have to take it. It doesn't matter even if you're a contender. Um, Cause I guess, I don't, I don't know. You can all, I feel like I just feel as though you can always replace closers in some way, unless they're the, obviously the Rivera's or the Hoffman's of the world or of that, of, of that nature. So um I don't think the Brewers are obviously tanking. I think they still feel as though they can win the division. I just think they have a feeling that when they when they saw that deal, they were like, you know what, let's just pull the trigger because we, we feel comfortable by where we're at even without a closer. It's yeah. something, I mean, you'll age out at some point, and that might have come into consideration being close to be close to turning 30. Baseball is a little bit different where you can throw and play a little bit longer into your um, career, but that that also could have been a factor. That central division is just a two team race, and I, I could see obviously one of the wild card teams being out of that division. Uh, but yeah, I I would say that the Padres right now just the the haul that they were able to get and the prospects that they had to give up for that. As a, a I guess we don't really call ourselves baseball fans because that just brings us down on this show. You guys will, you guys, unfortunately, we don't get, we don't get the Cardinals to talk about. We get to talk about the Rockies who are sitting 24 and a half games out of first place in the NL West. Um, Yeah. We, we normally don't, uh, don't mention that, but being a a fan of a team in the NL West, this did not bode well for my confidence. If I'm a a fan of the Dodgers, Giants, Diamondbacks or Rockies, because the Padres, Padres did some work at the trade deadline. Um, And uh, let's go to the Eastern, Eastern side of the country now. And the team that everybody seems to talk about, I call it my other team. I have just because of the Italian roots in the Bronx, but it's not really the Bronx anymore. The New York Yankees uh, leading the AL East by a a commanding lead right now, 12 games ahead of the Blue Jays sitting in second place. And uh, they did a lot of, they were busy. They were busy, but there's questions as to whether or not they were busy in the right ways or if they were just trying to do, make moves to make moves. Um, so I'll let you guys kind of take the floor and, and uh, Logan, what did you see out of these Yankees and all of their movement? And was this the best way for them to handle th- this year's trade deadline with the way their team is set up? Well, it, it's kind of, you, you know what, it started off in the really right direction. Um, and then it kind of ended off in just a question mark, um, which seems to be the Yankees motto or like trademark in the last couple of years. Uh, but they start. They needed a starting pitcher. They needed some relief help, and they needed an outfielder. Um, and they did take care of all of those uh, things. They went out and got Frankie Montas and uh, Lou Trevino from the Oakland Athletics. Frankie Montas is probably the best pitcher uh, on the trade block, aside from Lou, Luis Castillo. Um, they went and got Andrew Benatendi, who was probably, other than Juan Soto, was the best uh, outfielder to get. And they got uh, Scott Efros, who's another good player. Um, he's not going to be a free agent until 2028. Hmm. Um, so he's he's in it for the long haul. And then they went and traded uh, Jordan Montgomery uh, to the St. Louis Cardinals for Harrison Bader. Um, and that's the question mark because they needed they needed a starting pitcher. They got Frankie Montas, and so their starting uh, rotation was good. And then. And then they traded away Jordan Montgomery, who is arguably their third best uh, pitcher right now um, to the Cardinals for an outfielder that they didn't really need at the moment. So it's questionable. Uh, It seems like the Cardinals won that trade. Um, I don't know who approached who. It seems like the Yankees approached the Cardinals. 
Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's a weird trade uh, to make. But I, I overall, I think they're a better team than they were yesterday, and that's a good thing. Uh, they're already a stacked team. They're a stacked lineup. They have Matt Carpenter, who's a comeback player of the year. Aaron Judge, who's the MVP. Um, a lot of these players are doing really well, and so the best team in the uh, league just got better. So I could see the interpretation being that way. And they did do a lot of good things. My only, I guess uh, the only apprehension I would have is that these Yankees, I look back to the last time they were close to making it to the world series and lost to the Astros. All that was talked about was that lineup was dangerous and they could hit with anybody, but their pitching rotation was not as deep as what you would like to see for a team that can go deep into the playoffs because you need, as many pitchers that you can throw out there that can give you quality outings. And I feel like losing one of those guys, if you don't have a solid one, two, three in the, in a seven game playoff series, you could really only rest your guys five days at the minimum. If you try and throw guys on three days rest multiple times, unless it's needed and the guy's going to win you the world series in that next game that he's going to play, you could use the depth. So I don't necessarily know what the, the Yankees were thinking there, but uh, um Josh, for that that trade, since it did involve uh, the Cardinals, were you were you fine with that? Did you think that it was f- probably you know you, the Cardinals were the ones coming out on the upper end there? So I had kind of prepared myself for either Bader or Carlson being traded. Um, along the last four to six weeks, uh, Carlson has been phenomenal in the outfield, uh, playing center field. He's shown that he has the range. Uh, everybody knew he had the arm. And his bat has gotten better. He's readjusted since coming back off the injured list. So me seeing Bader go was not as much of a surprise to me. Now, I was surprised to see him go to the Yankees and and to see what the Cardinals got in return. Um, in all honesty, I had to text Logan to be like, hold on, who is this guy? Um, then I got home, I looked it up, and was like, okay, he's, you know, a third guy, third, fourth number pitcher, but he seems consistent, can eat innings. So I was a little surprised that the Yankees gave that up. But my, my guess here is – they are looking for that dynamic speedster who is a gold glove player in the outfield who's been considered up until this recent injury of his, this plantar fasciitis, the best center fielder in baseball. Um, defensively, he is one of the best. So the Yankees are probably looking long-term down the road again for next season to stack and stack their lineup for next year. They have a lot of guys who that could be gone at the end of the year. They're probably trying to get ready for that. I don't see Bader playing much the rest of the season. We, as we all know and suspect, the Yankees are probably going to make a long playoff run. So if Bader is back by the playoff, he could be even on the base path um, as pinch runner or um, putting him in a late game for defensive situations out in any of the outfield positions. But he's got the best range. He's got one of the best gloves. He reads the ball off the bat well. Bader is one of the best center fielders in the game. That's the only reason they could pick him up because his bat has been absolutely horrible this year. The fact of the matter is that the Cardinals have a better winning had a better winning percentage when Bader was in the lineup, even when he was hitting 200, than when he was not in the lineup and we had somebody else in there. So Bader is a team guy. He's a clubhouse guy. Fans in St. Louis love him. The women right now in St. Louis are so mad. Uh, my mom, my mom was one who texted me and she was like, "I can't believe they got rid of Bader. Oh my God, bra bra bra." Um, and I understand her feelings about it because she just loved the way he played. He's a lot of fun to watch. Yankees fans are in for a treat once he's healthy. So, you know, good for the Yankees. We'll see what happens on the Cardinals end. I'm not going to try to get into that too terribly much, but 
again, I think the Yankees are playing long term. Yeah, it's probably a move more for defense if he is able to make a comeback from that injury late into the playoff push, but it'll solidify the defense for years to come. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and let's uh, – we don't want to keep you guys for too long. You do have um, some other obligations, so we appreciate you guys coming on. Again, the Logan and Josh of the seven-inning stretch, members of the Variety Sports Network, just like the Far End of the Bench podcast, which you guys are listening to, episode 103. We have start bench cut. So, Nico, we said that we're going to do start bench cut uh, all-time Cardinals players. So you're going to have to get rid of one of your favorite players, guys, unfortunately. You're going to be – your start is your number one, your bench is your eh, he's good. And then your cut, I guess you're going to have to erase all of his uh, history from the Cardinals franchise history. It's not an easy one. Obviously, we don't have very many Rockies fans. We we, we, we relied on Todd Helton, Larry Walker, and you insert whatever name you want there. You both of For you guys, there's three big ones, obviously, that I, I think that I think it should be easy for a Cardinals fan to pick from. Um, the three – so you guys start bench cut. I want to hear what you got. Obviously, Albert, the machine, Albert Pujols will be number one. Number two, Biotti, Biotti or Molina. And then a little bit of an underrated guy that I think doesn't get necessarily the love for, around for his whole career, Adam Wainwright, a guy that, a guy that has been through it all for you guys. I know, that's it's tough. I didn't say it'd be easy. I didn't tell you it'd be easy. So, so I want to hear what y'all got. <laughs> What kind of Albert are we looking at? I can tell at? you, Logan. I'll, I'll oh, t- yeah. Albert of the, the beginning of his career, because obviously him right okay. now is not much. Okay. So this is prime Yachty, prime Adam, and prime Albert? Yep. Yes. Okay. I'll, uh, and, and disclaimer, I know there's the Ozzy Guillens, and there's the, or not the Ozzy Guillens, but Ozzy Smiths of the world, that oh, there's yeah. better Cardinals greats. I'm just going off of recency, so I'm just picking those three right now. Um. Oh, uh, okay. That's, um, I'm going to go with Albert to start. Start uh, Albert, bench Adam, and cut Yachty. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, cutting the catcher. That's, oh, that's not that good. So e- that's easy for me. Damn. Logan, right. Logan hates Yachty or Molina. He, he wants him dead. He wishes he never played baseball. I, never whoa. Hey. Wow. That's the truth, though. That's, what he, that's how he feels. We're going to have to get oh, you guys back on so that you can explain that because, uh, yeah, I did not expect that. From, not like uh, dead, dead, but like not, not professional baseball. Like career dead, yeah. Yeah, career dead. Uh, yeah, Josh, uh, Josh who's not... your start bench cut? You, this one looks like so it's hurting you. I so got to go, go Albert, then I have to go I have to go Albert to start, Yachty to bench, and I got to go Wayno to cut. Um, pitchers are a dime a dozen. You can find them everywhere, but Wayno is – that that's really hard for me because Wayno is such a classic game so much for uh, the MLB and for underrated or underprivileged youth and so much for the city of St. Louis. Um, I love Wayno with all my heart, but I can find more pitch. I can't find arguably the best offensive catcher of all time and the greatest hitter of all time, or at least of our generation again. So I, yeah, I, figured, so both, have to go. I figured both of you would have started Albert. But I was interested to see who would you guys put ahead of over when the catcher or, or yeah, the who's more important, the kid, the catcher or the pitcher? I would say the catcher, but you know, that's I guess it's a matter of opinion. Well, Josh Logan, we appreciate you guys uh, making the time. 
We'll have more collaborations in the future. If you guys ever want a meathead perspective for the MLB, I guess you can call one of us on um, and uh, we, we can help you out there. But at Variety underscore sports underscore on all social medias, check us out on the YouTube channel to catch the seventh inning stretch and Josh and Logan. But we appreciate you guys coming on and uh, we'll be we'll be in touch and, and uh, keep making great stuff. We, we like you guys. We love your guys show. Yeah, well, thanks. And I'll, I'll, I'll come on and. And I'll uh, I'll I'll come on and I'll go in depth on why the Rockies suck. Don't worry, I'll I, I have a thirty minute expose on that too. Don't you worry. I'm it's full of opinions. Like, we won't argue with you. It's it's not it'll like the problems are going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's right. not like they're getting solved anytime soon. So we can definitely have you back on to discuss that. Uh, no, thank you guys again. That, this was awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us on. See you. See you. Super grateful and uh, big thanks once again. Big shout out to the seventh inning stretch guys, Josh and Logan. Be sure to check out their show on the Variety Sports Network. Now that the trade deadlines happened, the fall is also big for baseball too. That's when the MLB playoffs start up. So if you're a diehard Cardinals fan, like they mentioned, Cardinal Chronicles on the Variety Sports Network. If you're just an MLB fan, seventh inning stretch. Great two two great shows that we're uh, super proud to be under the BSN banner with them on. And before we get into uh, Nico's going to give us a uh, trade deadline winners and losers, and we're going to discuss the Rockies lack of motion. Want to mention one last time, uh, if you want to get some far end of the bench merch, now we have the new song. You can get a shirt, new shirt, new hat, coffee mug, whatever floats your boat. You can check that out under the variety sports store. You go to www.bonfire.com backslash store backslash variety dash sports dash network. And you can go check out, not only our merchandise, but all the merchandise associated with Variety Sports Network. They got crew necks, tank tops, regular shirts, uh, coffee mugs, beanies, hats, trucker hats. Yeah, you can get you can go nice and style uh, and, and check out the far end of the bench on that on that URL. Uh, Bonfire.com slash store slash variety dash sports dash network. All right. Um, winners and losers from the trade deadline. Or do you want to do Rockies first? We'll, we'll do winners and losers because we kind of talked about that quickly there with them. Thank, thank you again for those guys coming. Obviously, we could only get them on for a short little time, so we appreciate it. But either way, my winners and losers, the one winner that we didn't talk about that, that I think made some really good moves is the trash can bangers. I think Trey Mancini is – I was going to say that. Yeah, go ahead. I think Trey Mancini was a great pickup. I think Trey Mancini was very underrated the year in, in Baltimore. I think as much as I don't like the Astros, like it's, I think they did great moves. You get Christian Vasquez uh, behind the plate. I think that's a great pickup too. It's kind of funny how all that situation went down um, about him being traded literally on, while he's on the field and the, the, the media – swarming him like come on give him a little bit of breathing when the guy just went through an emotional roller coaster just let him be and then getting man seen i think those are two really good pickups the team that's still on top of their division that is looking at a spot where you have verlander still you still have you still have a very good pitching core mm-hmm. that's a team that, that that in the playoffs you don't want to necessarily see so yeah. so as much as you want to talk about the trash campaign whether whether they have apple watches on or not this is still a team that i think could make some noise in the playoffs so when i when i'm betting on the playoffs it's a team that i'm like Ooh, this, this, i don't want to face them and, and that's weird to say because like look a team that has that sustained success for as many years as it's been yes i don't care yes i guess the alleg- i know the allegations are real but as sustained i can't speak a sustained success. There's the correct words for as many years as it has been. It doesn't. Ju- it doesn't all just come from knowing what the pitches are. So, I like I said. I think Trey Mancini is a great pickup. I think Vasquez is a great pickup. 
in terms of losers, obviously I can say the Rockies. Obviously I can say the Nationals. In my honest opinion, I'll, I I think the losers are the Dodgers, and and that's because of what the Padres did. And look, they get Joey Gallo. Thank God he got out of New York. <laughs> he is. He it was is not moving. working out, huh? It, it, not it really. It, it took a turn they, for the worse. Yeah. It took. Yeah, they. He deserved better. Now he gets to go to LA, and I think maybe he, he'll be a good DH. But I think they're the biggest losers because I think the Padres got better. I think the Dodgers and the Giants. I, I won't say the Rockies down bats because we both teams already suck, so it really doesn't matter. But the Dodgers and the Giants are the two losers here. Giants, you had a chance to trade Rodon, you didn't. Chance to trade Jock Pearson, you didn't. Both those guys are going to walk in free agency this offseason. And here you are, a year removed from winning the division, and you're now along with the D-backs and Rockies and superiority in this division. Because you're not touching what the Padres have right now. You're not touching what, what, what the, what the uh, uh, um, Dodgers have right now. So if you're, the, the Giants, if you're a Giants fan, you're like, damn, what the hell do we do wrong here? We should have either went and bought, got someone or we should have sold these guys off instead of sitting pat. So those yeah. are my two losers. Uh, um, winners would be obviously the Padres are the easy one. But I think the Astros did some under very underrated moves in my opinion. So those would be my winners and losers. I was gonna say my loser is the the people who like to hate on the Astros because if you know anything about Trey Mancini's story, it's gonna be very oh. difficult to to not Pretty celebrate nice. every time that he does something good, whether he's wearing a trash throws uniform or not. Uh, Trey Mancini, you don't know, beat cancer, uh, started and ended his Orioles career with a home run. I saw that last night, and that is pretty bad. Like. The Orioles, I would say, the Orioles fan base in general this season could be considered a loser because this is as good as that team has been. They are yeah. still not close to making. Uh, they're they won one, ten games in a row or something like that, right? Or they're or fifty-two they and fifty-one, possible. so they're over five hundred. They're uh, in that same the AL East. Every team is over uh, either at or over five hundred because the Red Sox are dead at five hundred right now. But this is as good as they've been. They're two and a half games out of the wild card, and you're. You had to trade away your best, yeah, your best player. Because let's be frank, he is their best player. Now, it, outside, it was necessary. Outside of, yeah, outside of Cedric Mullins, who was an all-star last year, and probably they have a Adley Rushman, that's the other guy, the catcher that that was like the number one prospect in baseball, who will pretty be pretty good for them for a few years now. So, but but losing Mancini obviously hurts them. Orioles fans, it obviously hurts to see him go. But I think I think they did him right. They absolutely did him right. They sent him to a contender where he has a chance to win and produce right away. So as much as we hate on the Astros, it's a win-win scenario for the Orioles organization. Even though they lose a big guy, you get some prospects back, and the Astros get an absolute stud in the outfield or throw at first base. Yeah, my biggest winner is going to be the Padres because I thought whoever got Juan Soto, especially a team like the Padres are uh, solidified. They have a a two-and-a-half game lead on at least one of the wild card spots right now. I think that Juan Soto deal – especially when Tatis is able to reinsert back into the lineup. We had uh, the seventh inning stretch guys talk about it. Josh did a good job of breaking down how dynamic that lineup gets. Um, I think that they could very easily pass the Braves up, be that number one wild card spot. And honestly, depending on how the Dodgers do down the stretch, if Gallo doesn't work out and, and they're, they continue to kind of be just what they have been, I can see the Padres getting themselves back in, in the conversation for the NL West division title. Uh, but they're definitely solidified as a playoff team, I think. We're not going to see the same collapse that we saw at a San Diego at the end of last season. That's that's not coming this year. They did all everything that they possibly could to make sure that didn't happen. Um, yeah, like I said, their window is open right now. This is their window. I, like I said, when, I, when we were the seventh inning, guys, 
the, you have a good shot to win the World Series now. This is your chance to, to make noise and be different. So now you got to take full advantage of it. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move to the Rockies um, because I just see – when I Let's talk I, about the only team that didn't make a deal. <laughs> well, that and I see here when, I, when you go to the Rockies page in ESPN as we're recording this on Tuesday night, the top story from 11 minutes ago, Padres trade for Soto, then route Rockies 13-5 to in first game. No, so, oh no, the Rockies won this morning. Um, I swear they won. They lost thirteen to five today. Well, we gotta ask. I read that wrong earlier. Yeah. Oh, they're playing. They're playing a game they're right now header. as well. Yeah, they're, they're they're two, tied two two, but in the first game of the doubleheader, they lost thirteen to five. Yep, you're right. I'm way off. I thought. Yep, I read that completely wrong. But yeah, this 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 is the story of all be all stories. Just to sum up this trade deadline for for Rockies fans. Great quote by by uh, by Nick Groke. Uh, he covers the Rockies from the Athletic. <laughs> Asked about so Bill Schmidt, who was the general manager for the Rockies, after, obviously after I'm not even gonna say his name. The idiot left. The <laughs> brain surgeon. The brain surgeon left. When asked about the Rockies being the only team to not make a deadline trade, Bill Schmidt said, we were also the only club to sign a player to an extension at the deadline. 29 other clubs didn't sign anybody to an extension. Uh, Nope, not true, (laughs) because Braves extended Austin Riley (laughs) and Padres extended Joe Musco. But you know what? Whatever you want, Bill Schmidt, let's re-sign 37-year-old Daniel Bard when we could have at least gotten two prospects, like halfway decent prospects for him, because there's teams out there that need bullpen pitching. (laughs) Uh, You could have gotten whatever you wanted from the Yankees because the Yankees need pitching. You, you, you are gonna you, the, the list of the list of players that are gonna walk in free agency. Carlos Estevez, a bullpen pitcher. Bullpen pitching was the fucking story. There was probably I think ten people, ten teams who traded for bullpen pitching alone, and you weren't one of them. Carlos Estevez is gonna walk. Ra- uh, uh, Rafael Iglesias, your shortstop, who is signed a one-year deal, is gonna walk next year. For nothing, you signed him. He's been doing. He's a good defensive shortstop. There's teams that could use a good defensive shortstop. You could have got a fucking fifth round prospect for. I don't know. Instead, you're like, you know what? We still have a shot. Look at what your division did. Look at it. I I, I kid you not. It's it's sad. It's so sad. I wish this team was relevant. It has been. Almost, it's been like twenty six or twenty seven years in the national in the major leagues, and this team has only tasted relevance once, one year, Nico, one magical month of October in two thousand seven. Nico, like, like, they like, are, they are, they. Everybody was in agreement that they should have been sellers at the trade deadline. Right now, they are twenty four and a half games out of first place in the NL West. They have a minus ninety four run differential. The team above them, which only has one less or two less losses and, and one less win than them. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a minus 36 run differential, which is better than the Rockies minus 94 by 58 runs. You are not only the worst team in the state of Colorado. You might be, if it weren't, wasn't for Pittsburgh, because I'm looking now, Pittsburgh has a minus bad. 154 bad, uh, run differential. If it wasn't for like Pittsburgh and Washington and these other teams who are legit tanking, but actually made moves at the trade deadline, you would be, the laughing stock of baseball. Right now, you're not even relevant enough to be laughed at. People would have no to learn about you. About, yeah, no they would have to learn about, about 
they would have to learn about your roster and then learn about why you suck, which obviously we invited Logan to come on because I feel like the more people that we can get to say the same thing, maybe something will change at some point, but I really don't know what it's going to be at this at this time because this is the same conversation we've had for it's now 27 years two straight years look people forget the Rockies were the playoffs fucking two and a half three years ago yeah that year that the the avalanche had their worst season the Rockies beat the the Cubs Cubs that was the year that they made it in the wild card yep (laughs) this team was not far removed from a playoff that's how quickly can you turn yourself in five years, the Avalanche are a Stanley Cup championship team, and the Colorado Rockies have a minus 66 run. Wait, let's see. They've scored 472 runs in over 80 games and given up 566. So next, I don't know if you can pull that stat, but I would bet about 80% of those runs are out at home that we've had. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, I I could probably – I think that they they have a spot for that, but I don't see it. Uh, funny, Jimmy. Like said, 16 we, and 32 on the road. We, 30 we, and 27 at home. We would love to cover baseball, guys. If you, if you, if you, Jimmy played baseball growing up, I avidly play MLB the show every fucking night before bed. We would love to cover it, absolutely love it. But when you are dealt the hand we have been dealt. Who do you think we want to talk about, right? Do you think we want to talk about Jimmy's team who's just coming off a Super Bowl appearance and my team who, who just brought in a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback or talk about a team that is a laughing stock of baseball and this state? Or do you think we still want to talk about fucking our, our team that just won a Stanley Cup final two months ago or the two-time MVP? Think about this. Like, like, like at this point, I'll cover the fucking Rapids. Or the Mammoth. The, the or Mammoth. The mammoth. Ma- or MLL. Fucking, MLL. <laughs> or DU Hockey. You were yeah, you National champs. You'll, you'll name it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so sad. The only reason this organization makes money because it's the most beautiful ballpark, ballpark in fucking baseball. Yeah. That's the only reason why this team makes money. And, and, and it's, it's like, like I said, baseball doesn't have a side cap, right? If you are not willing to invest in good players, if you are not willing to spend money, get your ass out of baseball, sell the team, do whatever. Because if you are not willing to, to put a team in place and willing to put players in situations where they can be successful, get the fuck out of town. Or just say that outright. Just say we're Ever here. S- we're here so that the visiting fans can have a nice spot to come watch their team beat the shit out of whatever farm team we're going to throw out there. But you got to be upfront with people. You can't can't be making up stuff, especially in this day and age. That quote that you read, it's not like we can't look up the other two teams that it's not like guys. There doesn't exist, buddy. I I have no clue. Like it's, it's one team that was in your division, two teams that are in, in in your same conference that resign people. Yeah, that's all you need to know. I I, 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 I cannot stress this enough, guys. For for all listeners out there. I would love we, – we, we enjoyed covering the All-Star game weekend so much last year. I, going to the Home Run Derby was so, so, so much fun. It was still one of the greatest events I've ever been to, one of the most exciting events I've ever been to. We enjoyed the hell out of that. If this team fucking did anything, that you could be like, man, this is a fucking good sign. Mm-hmm. We would be all over it. We, this state, look how much look how much the fucking all-star game was packed out. Look how much all all-star weekend, all the festivities that the city was going nuts for. This city wants baseball. 
It does. It absolutely does. But when you have an owner and you have a general manager that just consistently says, fuck you, like, come on, man. What are we going to cover, right? Like, what are we going to do? This is as much Rockies talk as we'll probably have for the rest of the season. And I will happily end it right here unless we have Logan back on. Because I, I, I cannot stand fucking doing literally nothing being like you know what we're good enough no you're not when you weren't good enough you didn't make moves to make sure you're good enough when you had Nolan when you had DJ when you had Trevor Story you fucking signed a a 33 the same contract that DJ LeMahieu signed for the Yankees and look at him look at what he's doing (laughs) all these guys all three of them that is a that is an infield team to dream of you throw in Charlie Blackman, who was an all-star four years ago. You throw in the likes Ian of, Desmond. Ian Desmond Ian was Desmond the first baseman of that infield. Like, like, I, I, I can it's, only laugh. Yeah. I, if I didn't have a Stanley Cup championship in the last three months, I would be absolutely miserable when it comes to watching sports, okay? Because I'm still on a high of winning the Stanley Cup and still on the high of Jokic doing what he does and the Broncos training camp being right around the corner. And, and, and I'm sorry I just went on a tangent, but but it had to be said because I, I, I've had people say, we've had people, why don't you cover baseball? Why don't you cover baseball? Why don't you cover baseball? There's reasons. Because that would be every episode that that whole that that would be the conversation about baseball every single episode if we decided to cover the Rockies. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end this one. Episode 103, a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the seventh inning stretch, guys. I really appreciate Josh and Logan coming on. Like we said, again, proud members of the Variety Sports Network. Before we get off here, be sure to follow at Variety underscore sports underscore Uh, And follow Variety Sports Network wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, everything out there. You can find the Variety Sports Network. Uh, Follow the feed. You'll get our shows Wednesdays plus all the other shows on the days that they come out. And if you're a big MLB fan, you got to be checking out the seventh inning stretch. Can't stress that enough. but yeah, but before before we, we, we sign off here, I, I briefly said something, but I just want to give it to you. Like I said, Bill Russell passing away on Sunday. It's a loss, and that's felt across all sports. He, he, he was the greatest champion you'll ever find, 11 championships as a, as a player, two as a coach, first African-American coach, the, the greatest winner in the history of sports, and the things he did for humanitarian uh, – um, for, for African-Americans and for, for the league, for basketball, for all across – all sports cannot be stressed enough. It's a loss that's felt within the basketball community. Absolutely. It's a guy that, like I said, is the golden standard for winning in any sport, the golden standard for winning. And it's a loss that, that will, will be heavily missed. Even if we don't like the Celtics, it's a guy that transcended the, the, the basketball and, and all sports. So he'll heavily be missed. And then to, to leave on a brighter note, the PLL, is in town this weekend in Denver, Colorado. So if you're a listener to the show, I will be there Saturday all day. So come say hi. I am going to be the Saturday slate has three games. So I'll, I'll be at the Premier League uh, lacrosse game with some with some my old lacrosse friends. So if you see me there, I'll, I can buy you a drink, say, hey, I love the show, whatever. The games are at DU. The tickets are not cheap. I'll tell you that. <laughs> They're not cheap. But, but Rabel's got to make some money. Yeah, it should, it should be a fun weekend. So I didn't get to go last year when they were in Denver um, or in the Springs, actually, because I was out of town. So I'm really excited to see it in person for the, for the first time. Um, 
should be exciting. Like I said, I'll, I'll do my best covering it the best I can when I'm there Saturday. Cause like I said, there isn't a whole lot going on in the sports world. So that's current that, that of live sports right now. So we'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll do my best covering that for you all and my experience at the PLL on Saturday. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Be sure to follow at FEOTB pod, all social medias. Um, if you want to listen to us on our own podcast feed, search the far end of the bench, wherever you listen, if you're listening on the variety sports network or vice versa, Follow both us and the Variety Sports Network. We're super proud to be flying that banner. All the codes, promo codes for Row One Brand, Triple A Streets, in the Clutch Sports, and the uh, merch store, all down in the description below. All those links. And uh, yeah, big shout out once again, Warren Garrett. You guys are going to hear that awesome little music riff that he put together for us on the way out as well. Um, but hopefully, you guys are enjoying that. We got plenty more collaborations with Variety Sports guys, uh, plenty more sports to talk about. NFL season is just getting underway. So, uh, don't go anywhere. Be sure to subscribe, follow everything. Our off season is almost over, Jimmy. Off season is almost over. <laughs> like the song says, come take a seat on the far end of the bench. This has been uh, episode 103 for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant. Thank you guys very much for listening. We will see you next week. Peace. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit.